And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. Well, welcome to everybody out there now tuning in to the greatest MMA podcast in the universe. I will say it again, the greatest MMA podcast in the universe. And it's because we have the man, the myth, the legend, Podcast Dave on the yeah. Oh, now we have Boo. the real punk Josh Thompson coming in to give his crowd goes wild, crowd version goes wild. of <laughs> MMA, even though sometimes it's all bent up, but we are here to have fun, talk about combat sports, all of combat sports, but mostly the greatest sport in the world, MMA. What is up, my man? What is going on? I heard you had the flight from hell yesterday. Talk to me, Goose. Holy shit. I could have flown to freaking France in the time <laughs> it took me to go from Orange County, California to Dallas, Fort Worth. Jeez. Unbelievable. I sat on a tarmac in a plane just sitting there, oh. kind of like held hostage. Uh, Horrible. I, let me ask what airline you're on. And, uh, <laughs> I go on there. Go they ahead. did me. They did me no favors, man. Uh, Ooh, it, but, you, but you got from home. Eight, from eight. Let's see. From eight thirty, taking off on the plane, until finally got home at one o'clock in the morning. Jeez, man. Jeez. Nice. You fly into Ch where do you fly into Chattanooga? Uh, I did last night because yeah. they canceled my flight to Knoxville. Got it. Normally, I go into Knoxville. But see, I that's that's Chicago. another reason I don't want to move to Tennessee. <laughs> Not a lot of flights going there. No, a I lot get of it. flights. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, we're, like we're gonna have some fun today because there's not a lot of news to talk about. So, I want to touch on one thing real quick. Okay, everybody, let's hear it. Let's hear it. everybody. I want to do like how the newspapers do these days. On the back of the page, right? They have a correction. Nate Robinson is not six foot. Okay, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He, apparently, he's five nine. You guys five, like six, to spend yeah, or, or five, five eight, six or, or five, five eight. Ten. Everybody in the comment section, you guys are fighting with each other. Meanwhile, so what we what we need is we need Nate Robinson to come yeah. and post in the comments. All right, here is my actual size, but we want a photo <laughs> with the tape measure. Yeah, one we thing you guys need to understand: I don't give a shit about basketball <laughs> and about and about Nate Robinson's height and his height. It was hilarious. He's tall, long, and lanky. It was funny. Someone goes, "That's probably the." The worst description I've ever heard of Nate Robinson. But look, 5'9", tall, long, and lengthy could be... that. I'm 5'10", I'm tall, long, and lengthy in the 155 bomb class. You could say that, right? Tall, long, and lengthy for 155? 5'10", ish, 5'10", a little so, over 5'10". So how's things going? Yeah, so how's things going? Wow, wow, good, <laughs> good, good. But I'm saying he looks tall, long. Anyways, okay, even if he's 5'9", some of you guys are arguing 5'6", whatever. You guys might have got him mixed up with Muggsy Bogues. I don't care. Okay. Five three. I know five, that one. Three, whatever. I got that one. Five three or five one. Five three. Who Spud Webb was five one. Spud Webb was five seven. Jesus, look at this. Man. Look at this. See, see. I, I want back. I Give want me proof. another. I want proof. Give me another. Go ahead. I want proof. Look it up. But um. But yes. So guys, I just wanted to clear that up. That's the auto correction on the back of the newspaper. Okay, it's talking about what we talked about last time. I'm just fixing the the error that I committed. So it was fun. I was reading the comments, hitting all the likes of people like that said, "Get over it. No one cares." I liked all your guys's comments. Thank you guys. <laughs> okay, so that was me, Podcast Dave. He doesn't do that. So, but I want to say thank you guys for sticking up for me. I appreciate it. I do read the comments because I'm a total noob. 
I don't know what that means, but I heard that heard that being used a couple times. But podcast nerd. Podcast nerd. That's what a noob means. Podcast comment nerd. That's what I'm calling you. Nice. Podcast so comment. so you're the, you're the PCN. I am a nerd. I'm a All nerd. Right. All right. Um. What else? What else do we got, John? You know, I want I want to bring up they they showed a, a video and it was of uh, Jolie Poirier, Dustin Poirier's wife, going into Conor McGregor's uh, dressing room just to say thank you for the donation that he had made and stuff. And you see how gracious both are in that and it's nice that people get to see what really happens yeah. sometimes in the back that you know we get to we know about we see all the time that the fans don't see and they don't understand that you know the fight is the fight and both guys are giving it everything they have but once the fight's over it's over and you know you're, you're normal people and you know you, you treat each other the right way and so i thought it was nice very nice that they uh, showed that and showed that uh Mrs. Poirier went in there and thanked someone for doing something very special for their foundation. So I thought it was a great little thing that they put out. Yeah, she had pointed out Connor is going to change a lot of people's lives with the $500,000 donation, you know, yep. and not to mention all the other people that have been influenced by the fact that that they saw him donate 500000 So how many people are going to go and say, you know what, he donated 500000 let me go in there and donate also. You know, it must mean something to them, must mean something to that organization for him to be behind this and still, even after defeat, still willing to donate the money. I think a lot of other people are going to be influenced. That'll bring in a lot of lot more eyeballs to it as well as a lot more money to it. So she was right by doing what she did. She was also right by the fact that saying that she that he's his donation will change a lot of people's minds about donating to a cause and what better what better person to do it? I think Connor led the way, will lead the way to help bring in more eyeballs to that organization. And that's great. That's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it was. It was, it was just all around. It. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that people get to see it. Yeah. Yeah, because not everyone, like you said, not people, the, the casual fan at home is not going to see that. The, the hardcore fans are going to realize how important it is that these fighters do things like this, you know, set up their own, their own charitable organization set up, you know, and they communicate with each other to do these type of things. And a lot of this happens in the back, you know, um, the conversations after a fight wins, you know, there's a lot of mutual respect that happens and the fight and, and fans don't get to see that. And it's good that this was seen by the public. Yep. I agree. What else we got, Dave? <clears throat> um, so this was also in, a, in the fan questions, um, and so I'll just I'll throw this out there. Uh, Mario Yamasaki is returning to MMA refereeing. So John, I don't know if you know more about why he wasn't, because I didn't know he wasn't. Um, but Michael Chiesa says the sport is better off without you officiating. Well, Michael Chiesa is still mad about a uh, a stoppage against Kevin Lee, which you know. He can say what he wants and everyone will have their own opinions. And what Mario didn't do is he didn't let that thing go to the completion that it was going to, that would have made it to where no one could say anything. And that, that honestly was a shame for both fighters, shame for Michael Chiesa and a definite shame for Kevin Lee who won the fight. But if you look at what happened with Mario and, and, and look, I've, I've known more Mario for many, many years now since you know, the very first, UFC in Brazil, which was, uh, let's say, about 1997, I would say. So Mario started refereeing off of that. Everyone's going to have their reasons for doing things. And, and I, one of the things that I'm going to say is Mario, you know, had a long career. 
and there was the one fight. It was the, the, the women's fight with Valentina Shevchenko. And I can't say the other lady's name correctly. You know, it's Kaukeka or I don't know what are, the Brazilian girl who came in, you know, last minute basically and, and took that fight. And it was just a, it was a demolishing of a fighter and Shevchenko was doing whatever she wanted. And there was many times that Mario probably should have stopped the fight. It was that fight that made it to where the UFC said, we don't want to use Mario anymore. It's right there. Is it Priscilla? Uh, Priscilla. Go ahead and say it again. Yeah, yeah. See, and you can't. Yeah. But <clears throat> that fight was the one. Well, then here's, here's the difference is Mario, you know, lives in Brazil. He lived in Maryland for a while, but he lives in Brazil and he can work with, you know, Cobb MMA, which is the Brazilian uh, regulatory body there. But he basically he didn't do the small shows in Brazil. You know, I can tell you, you know, Josh, I did fights all the time. And, you know, I would do a, a UFC on a Saturday night. I would be doing a, a different show on a, on a Friday. Sometimes I was doing a show on a Thursday, sometimes a show on a Tuesday. And some of these shows were, you know, shows no one sees, you know, Orange County Fight Club and all these things. But it was, I thought it was always important to be uh, there at all those shows to see the new fighters coming up and to help build the sport of MMA. One of the things I think Mario made a mistake in is he became more of, and, and I'm telling you right now, there's only been really two, two UFC referees. Okay, I was one because I was there when there were no athletic commissions and I was getting paid you know, directly by the UFC and I was contracted by the UFC back then. And Mario was the other one. Herb Dean, Mark Goddard, all of the other, never. They were always working with the athletic commissions. Those are the ones that brought them in. So Mario would be one of those guys you look and say, well, he was a UFC referee, but he kind of kept that going when everyone else didn't do that. Everyone else worked all these different shows and you know mario got a lot off of it especially in brazil he's a pretty good salesman and it became when you're i look at it the same as fighting when you're fighting and you're fighting regularly you're going to be sharper i always tell referees the more repetitions you get in the fight game the better off you're going to be it's going to help you in making decisions it's going to help you in seeing something that someone hasn't seen before it's just better when you have a referee that doesn't get a lot of repetitions, they tend to make more mistakes. So, you know, Mario made his decisions. The whole fact of him coming back, he can be coming back. All he has to do if he's going to uh, referee is he can go through Cobb MMA and if they license him, they'll put him into shows there in Brazil. He can try to go back and get licensed in some of the athletic commissions that are here in the States. And if they license him, you know, he has worked since the UFC said, I, you know, we don't want him. He's, he worked the PFL. He's worked, you know, a couple of different shows. It's a matter of, yeah, you can come back and referee. As long as they license you and they put you in the show, you're going to referee. I don't think he's going to be refereeing anything with the UFC. They're going to request the athletic commission not use him because they were upset with his performance. And I think, you know, Michael Chiesa has his own reasons for saying what he's saying, but you know, that's, it's really not a question of what, you know, Mario says he's coming back. 
he can come back and get licensed. But where you know where he works and what shows he works, that's going to be up to a commission that licenses him. Yeah, I think we just need to spread more love, okay, <laughs> and, and not hate. Um, and honestly, you know, that's that's part of the whole thing is you get into those things that, you know, this thing and and Mario's known for that you know, yep. with the heart thing, and it's like, it ain't about you. Yeah, you know, I, people ask me all the time, oh, how did let's get it on getting you know, and and I can tell you the story how it came about. I was. You know, gonna referee at UFC two. Art Davies was the guy that created the UFC. He calls me up to his room, asks me, "Hey, uh, I need you to start the fights with a hand gesture and a and a statement." I said, "Okay, what do you want?" He goes, "Well, I don't know. You got to come up with that." Art, I, I, what do you want me to come up with? I don't know what to say or anything. He says, "He goes, oh, you, you've got to come up with something." I said, "Art, I, I got one guy standing on one side of a cage, another. They want to beat the shit out of each other. I'm going to tell him, hey, are you ready? Let's get it on.'" He goes, "That's what I want." <laughs> I swear to God, that's how it started. That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, iconic, right? So iconic. Yeah. Just like so that. iconic. That's how it started. And you know, I and then Semaphore Entertainment Group wanted it to get bigger and they wanted me to say it louder. And so, mm -hmm. you know, these are all the things that are happening behind the scenes. And eventually there was a time where I stopped and promoters were getting mad at me for not saying it because they wanted it. And so then, you know, look at near the end of your career, you know, I would say, Are you ready? ready? Let's get on. Well, yeah. I would not make a big thing about it because it was stupid. It was a matter of don't do anything that takes away from the two fighters. And when you're doing, you know, signals or anything like that, I wish I had only started off saying fight. Yeah. That's it. But it's not about you as the referee. If you're, if you're doing the things to gain attention, you're not, you're not doing things the right way. There was buzz around a little bit, John, that, that like, um, that they don't use Dan Murgliata, not Murgliata, but uh, Mike Beltran because of his beard. Is that true? Not anymore. Oh, so they do use him now. now well, he has been used, but you know, it, again, it was the Athletic Commission bringing Mike, especially the California State Athletic Commission, was bringing Mike Beltran to work the UFCs. You know, he worked your fight against Nate Diaz. That was his first time actually yeah. not working the UFC because he had judged it, but that was his first time refereeing. A main card, a, a main a fight card. on the main card. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, and it's, it's grown, but Mike was actually just licensed by the Nevada state athletic commission as a referee, which was an outstanding, you know, decision by the NSAC to bring in one of the better referees there is out there. And he's going to do a great job and you will see him working more fights within the UFC based upon working with the Nevada state athletic commission. So. Yeah. I think they want, I think the UFC, it is, I understand their logic behind it is that like this stuff okay is it, it's not like you said it's not about the referee nope. but the, about the beard thing though it's a little confusing because it's not like he just like put on a fake one to get more attention i mean that obviously <laughs> took him a long time to do it so he's not doing it to like garner attention that's just who he is and so that that was a little weird to me um when i had heard i had heard rumblings through the back doors and stuff that people were talking about that but I'm glad I, he's he's a great he's a phenomenal referee. He's a phenomenal referee. He is. He's a great guy, and he, he is a great. He deserved guy. to be there long ago, but it's nice to see that he's he's in that position now. I feel like we talk about him too much. We should not. You do because you have <laughs> this do. man crush. He is the best referee there is in the oh, business, hands God. down. Best referee. I would say whose neck is is next is Diego Herzog. He's next. <laughs> Poor Jason. He's gonna kill me. Jason's gonna be like, uh, what? My name is Jason Herzog. 
fuck? Well, yeah, Anyways. that's funny because the best part about that whole thing is yes. you, know, you said Diego Herzog, and I started laughing. Say, who the hell would name Diego Herzog? And there was a fighter in Bellator, and I actually refereed him. And he he <laughs> trains out of AK. <laughs> Diego Herzog uh, trains out of AK. Good jujitsu uh, guy. Tra- he has a, a little small academy down, I think, in Morgan Hill area, man. Just a cool guy, too. So Great, funny. cool guy, funny guy. Anyways, um, geez, what else is there? I do just want to credit Bernardo Garay who did who asked about that. So I just want to make sure he gets who, his, what, what who was his name? Our fan was Bernardo Garay who asked about the Yamasaki thing. So okay. and just want to make sure he gets um do you guys have any thoughts or even um you know uh, input or feedback for Korean Zombie who said um his he felt his career had crashed to rock bottom after the Brian Ortega fight and so he was eaten uh without control and he gained twenty kilograms, which is I don't know how many pounds. Whoa, twenty almost fifty pounds. That's, that's closing in. That's, that's forty seven pounds or something like yep. that. Forty six, forty seven pounds. Jeez, well, he's no man. no longer a featherweight. He's gonna no. he's gonna be in the middleweight division. <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow, that's a lot. I mean, I don't think that's he pretty... should have been upset with that fight. Brian's just Brian came back a different fighter. So it, over the years of not being able to look back at what Brian used to be. And what Brian is now, he's he's still has the same all like uh, attributes in terms of his length, his reach. But he just he fought a different style of fight, you know. And he's not he's a different fighter now. He's progressed. He actually spent that time off making himself a different fighter, and it looks like a better fighter. We'll see when he fights Volkanovski if it ended up paying off against him, um, and becoming champion. But I think he became a better fighter. I, he shouldn't be and, upset. And it- and it's also no, he's he, Korean Zombie has put on so many great fights. You go back to the Leonard Garcia fights, and that that first Leonard Garcia fight, holy but Jesus, what a fight! Yeah, you know, and he's had some great fights. You know, the fight he had against Yair Rodriguez, that was a great fight. You know, all the way up to the end, and he was winning. Yeah, until that last shot. You know, and that's what happens in fighting. But he has had so many incredible performances. Sometimes there's those guys, Josh, and you know it doesn't matter what. They just give you problems. Could be in sparring, could be in just training on rolling on the mat, could be in the fight. But it's just something about the way that they execute what they do. It causes you to hesitate. It causes you to, you don't see it the same. They just give you problems. And it could be that Brian Ortega was that guy for, for you know, the zombie in that fight. Yeah, that's true. I, look, and I had I had, Zombie was winning, I believe, 50-45 or something like that against Yair, and he got caught at the very end. I think some one of the judges had him winning all five rounds. He Up was until, winning the fight. Yeah, he was it winning. Was, he won the other four rounds before that, and he was winning that round. He, I don't know why. I I guess he was trying to get that finish, but there was no he was dominating the fight. And it's a shitty situation because he'd be he would have been on a fight win fight fight win streak up until he fought Brian. So but I think I think he's just gonna dial it back down. He's gonna get real focused probably, and he's done. Get back he's, in, get back in the gym, and just start getting after it. And the weight will come off. It'll done, come off yeah. fast if you're busy. Yeah, I think he will. He'll be fine. Who knows? Maybe we'll see him at one fight at one fifty five. Never. <laughs> Maybe know. there was a, okay. So I, I didn't see it. somebody had posted. What's this? Reveals. Um. Yeah. Let's. There was. There was a fighter. They had talked about um, he was he was commenting to other fighter to young fighters about Max Holloway not sparring hard anymore. He's like, look, 
the reason why Max can get away with it, and this was a very good point. I can't remember. I just read oh, it yesterday. Peter Queeley. Peter Queeley, yes. Peter Queeley said it. And he's right. He's very he's totally right. Young fighters don't think that you don't need to spar. <laughs> don't think that you could just do that. Yeah, that's not the case. The case is he spent countless hours and and rounds sparring. Thousands to, of thousands hours. of rounds of getting to the point where he is now. To where he doesn't need to all he's got to do is just fine-tune it up to the like we maybe one session a week or maybe one every two weeks he's done all the hard work he's done it all he's done he's done he's taken the shots to the head taking the shots to the body he's done all that he doesn't need to abuse his body anymore being at the level that he's at and when he feels like he does he can go back and go ahead and do it but he's already mastered that part of kind of that area you are not max holloway people you young kids, <laughs> you young fighters. And that's what Peter Quilly was saying. I thought it was a very, very smart take on it um, for young fighters to, to recognize and not think that they can be a Max Holloway by not putting the sparring rounds. Yeah, well, Peter Quilly is a guy that, you know, sparring with the guys that he does out of, you know, SBG in Ireland, he knows. You know, you, you, you learn a lot when you spar and you learn how to accept punishment. You learn how to return and be offensive off of someone and you've got to get that you know you got to be under fire in the gym and respond in the gym to know that you're going to do that same thing and respond in the fight hopefully and then you do that in the fight but then you come back and you spar but he's saying yes max holloway can be that guy but you can't you can't just think that yeah. you're going to go and you're going to be a fighter and not spar and you're going to do well in a fight and be ready to be crushed yeah he's he's absolutely right I thought it was a good take from his perspective as it well was. as a fighter's perspective for young fighters to understand that they can't be that way. Max has already put in all the hard work to get where he's at. So right. it, was, it was good. It was it was good to hear. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is Dave's flipping through it right now is the Sean O'Malley situation with uh, Casey Kenny and Sean O'Malley. Go ahead. Like, what? Let me the hear it. What the fuck are you thinking? Like, You're dumb. I, I just. But here, look, look, I'm all for I'm somebody that's definitely all for someone speaking their mind. Okay, whatever. And I understand. I, I just look, you've got to have these conversations, though. Joe Rogan for years talked about, you know, DMT, talked about mushrooms, talked about weed. These are all things that were out there. But heroin is a different topic. Okay. These other things that Joe was talking about, it's these things now are starting to be used. But I don't understand the heroin aspect of what he was getting at. And then Casey Kenny jumping on the situation and adding the Megan Anderson compliment, or I wouldn't say compliments, but the it wasn't uh, compliment. No, it wasn't complimentary at all. It was the Megan Anderson. I was looking derogatory, for the word, derogatory remarks. It was absolutely disgusting. But as a as a promotion, this follows that this follows that that guideline that they have that you the fighters sign. Oh, they I, could if they wanted. They could cut them. They could. Yes. Yeah. These these are in those. What is it? What is it called? It's the the UFC has you science like a, um, the NFL has it too for their players so they can find them for any the reason. Code of conduct. The code of conduct. There you go. Big words for me. <laughs> um, do you see something like that coming down on these two guys? I think they're going to be talked to, and I think you know it's a matter of this is where and and I'm going to talk about us right now. You know we have this podcast. And we get to say things. And a lot of guys, you know, have a podcast and they'll have the funny guy. They'll have the guy that, you know, the guy that's a little outlandish and mm -hmm. kind of ra rails them in on, on the fight game and stuff. But 
you got to be at least smart in the subjects that you talk about. All right. And when you start talking about people and it's in any way, derogatory, look, I don't care what any female fighter does outside of when they step in the cage. And if, and if, uh, you know, a female fighter and, you know, people have talked about them, you could talk about Ronda Rousey. You could talk about Paige Van Zandt. You could talk about Chris Cyborg. You could talk about Megan Anderson. You could talk about, they all have taken pictures with photographers that people will say, oh, you're trying to be sexy. That's okay. That's their right. Yeah. You can either look at the picture or not, but to sit there and say, well, you deserve it based upon a picture. You deserve someone saying bad things about you based upon, well, you yeah. took a picture like this. All I can say is people, you need to grow up. We need to all do better. You know, I actually put a tweet out saying, hey, we need to do better. This is wrong. Megan Anderson, although I don't think she's going to beat Amanda Nunez, she's a good fighter. She's a tough, yeah. tough woman. And she fights hard. And she doesn't deserve that. Now, people are going to say, well, she said things before. Stop. Don't sit there and try to give me, oh, two rights make a wrong. They don't. No. Okay? You just need to do better. Be yeah. smarter. Yeah, I get this is that whole I have to prove that I'm right situation. And it's happened. It's been happening in our country for the last probably six to eight years, maybe even longer than that. I mean, I'm sure it has been happening longer than that. But so really, since I've started paying attention, it's it's like I have to prove to you that I'm right. And I see it all over Twitter. I get on you get on Twitter and you get on so you get on Facebook and it's like, let me show you this link. Let me show you pictures of this person. Look. What she does in her own time and take pictures and posts on her social her media business. is up to her and her business. Now, right. what you guys say on a podcast that is derogatory as well as talk about heroin while you're carrying a baby, okay, is, is look, that's your right. You go right ahead and do it. I'm just saying that later on in life, when you guys look back at this situation, when you grow up, you're going to look back and go, because I was, I was very yeah. stupid like this. Okay. <laughs> so we all I'm were. Sure we all were. Yeah. So it's what we are. When you're young, you think you're so smart. It's just when you get maybe not when you have when you eventually have kids that get older, they're going to look back at their dad and be like, what the f like, really? Like that was my oh, my dad was cool. But then when you're when your kid gets older to be 21 and 20, 25, 28, and they realize that they've matured, they're like, God, my dad was stupid when he was a kid. You know, and they, they may not want to be that way, which is good. But I'm saying like the, in this situation, in this scenario, I, I would. I'm not saying to cut either one of them, but I'm saying that there needs to be a, a, a talking to. And on top of a talking to, I could see them potentially laying down fines. That's the point of them doing this is this uh, code of conduct contract is if that would have happened in the NFL, if that would happen in the NBA, you're talking probably over a hundred thousand, maybe a hundred, $500,000 fine. This, this is where this, this is what sets us apart from the uh, the better sport. The, no, I won't say better sports, Ooh. but the more paying sports, the higher paying sports is things like this, is that this is what keeps us in the, in the politician's eyes of that we're just a bunch of cavemen fighting. Neanderthals. In Neanderthals and cavemen fighting in cages. This is, what it, this is what they look at. They look at this. Look at this kid. Look at the two of them talking about degrading this female who's also a fighter. This, yeah. this is what's going to keep... Is ba she's a peer. Yep. She's the same as you. Yep. And you're gonna degrade her. It's like well, she's actually better because she's she's actually fighting, she's for, fighting the title. for the championship. Yeah, she's fighting yeah. for the title, and neither one of these guys are. So she's actually better. Um, she did say that um O'Malley's fighting on the same card as her in March. Do you guys remember when the Rachel no, Ostovich? No, stop. Oh. 
it's not O'Malley. It would be Casey, Casey Kenny riding on the oh, same sorry. car. Yeah. Um, no problem. Well, I was just going to say, do you guys remember when the race, Rachel Ostovich uh, thing happened and they pulled Greg Hardy from the card? Do you think there's potential the UFC could pull pull Casey Kenny from the card um, as a way to kind of... He's fighting Dominic Cruz. I mean, He's fighting Dominic, so man, that's a tough that's one a to tough pull. One, tough one to pull. I'm no. just, I'm just saying, looking at it from a business point of view, you need to have another name on there. So they're going to have to replace it with another name be, to try and get eyes to that because not a lot of people are going to tune in to watch a man in his fight. Anderson. And you're going to have to get someone that fights very similar to Casey. The, so Dom would take the fight because yep. he's been training for a specific guy. So yep. tough. Yeah. It would be smart hey. on their part to, re, to, to replace Casey Kenny. Or push the Here, fight to another car. As simple as it gets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put it out there. Casey Kenny, the next time someone asks you a really dumbass question, go, that's a stupid question. Or go, you know what? I would be so lucky that Megan Anderson or any MMA fighter that's female out there would even give me a second look. So I don't even think about those things. Yeah, I actually looked at Casey Kenny. He's not a good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're going to face the consequences of that. Uh, what is he like? He's like, what, 5'1"? <laughs> Oh, we're talking about now, height these days. Now we're gonna have the whole height thing going. <laughs> no, by. he's not. He's like five six. Or he's like five five. I don't even know. Who cares? <laughs> he's five seven. Just be smart. Yeah. Do better. No. All right. Um, Let's go. Next one. Something else. So Cody Garbrand just recently had talked about um how he like he lost his uh passion for fighting once he got to because his goal was to get to the title and once he got to the title he got he got complacent um. And you know now he obviously he's kind of at that turning point um and so that was just kind of more news that came out this week as he talked about it what's your face about my face about this is because sayings stick around and because they and when sayings stick around it's because they are true yep. so when fighters say that it's easier to win the title than it is to keep it this is exactly so what true. happens you win the title and you just think i've done it what else am i doing and you just you get complacent and not just complacent. You just start to lose desire to I don't got to do that. I can do this and I can travel and do this and I can I can go to the club and spend more money. I can because now I've done all these things. I'm just being this is what this is. You see it in boxing all the time, how they just start spending money frivolously and then they end up broke. Same thing with a lot of the pro athletes. They won the Super Bowl or they they've got a they sign a big, huge contract to make as much money as they in their mind had thought they would want it to make. And then they end up being broke because they spend it all on dumb shit. This is, I'm not saying that he, he, this is common. This is very common. There was a lot of, there's a lot of fighters that have may have won championships, whether it's boxing or MMA. And they are like, I've, I've reached my goal. I have nothing else to do. It's harder yep. to keep it. It's just harder yep. to keep it. Well, it all comes down to that. Hey, dream it, see it, believe it, achieve it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have a goal, you have a target, and you have a specific target. When Cody Garbrandt was fighting, he had a specific target. Dom Cruz was the champion, and he could focus. Every time he went in the gym, he could focus on, this is what I'm doing to get better so I can, I can go after that guy, so I can, I can go after that title. And you have that. It's laser-like, man. You can just see exactly where you want to be. And then when you get there, now you're the guy with the target. Everyone's got a target on you and you've got to figure out, and I've said it before, you've got to figure out what is going to be your motivation to make you get back in that gym and do the same things you were doing before. Now as champion, you've got to have that thing that you, okay, this is my goal. Now, this is what 
is my inspiration. This is what I want to achieve. And if you, if it is, I want to, I want to win the title and then you win it. You're not going to hold on to it long because it's tough to motivate yourself to do that same kind of training that you were doing before. It just tends to, oh, you've got a, you've got an endorsement deal. Oh, you've got a, you got to go and you're going to do a signing or something. And those things start to take the place of the training. And that's what got you there. That's, that's a big reason why when we talked about it, we caught some flax last week about it. When we talked about the Connor situation. He's, he's made all this money. It's don't, people don't, you don't understand Bruh. how much stuff that he is committed to outside of just his, okay, I have time now to go ride the bike for 40 minutes. Like before all this happened, all he did was eat, sleep, fighting, you know, and just eat, sleep and eat, fighting, just fighting, fighting, fighting. It's like, go to the gym, do this. Now it's like, wait, I got to go do the proper whiskey thing. Wait, I got to go do the August McGregor thing. Wait, I got to go do some meetings with, you know, for some new deals. Then I got to go run for 45 minutes. Then I come back and then I go do this meeting. I mean, there's no rest in between these. And I can see that like with Cody, Cody, you get to your level now. Okay, what do I do? Okay, Connor's gotten to his level. Now, how do I maintain it? How do I stay sharp taking time off? And how do I stay? It's, it's hard, man. It's, it's, there's a diff- bunch of different ways a bunch of different things eating at you to stay on top and everyone's gunning for you at the top as well. They're all just like, that's my goal. That's my goal. It's the person who is starving is more hungry than the person who's already been fed at the top. That's the hardest part, you know? And so I think Cody, I think also too, a little bit of it's the Cody maturity. He's got a baby. He's, you know, he's married. Like he's got a lot, a lot of things that have happened to him since then. And I think he's uh he'll get back on track. He's already on track. I think he's just, I think more focused. I think once, once he understands that he doesn't need to be coaxed into the brawls, he's fast and he's good, you know? And if he can maintain that, control that temper a little bit. And yep. I think, I think he could be champion again. So what else? Want to hop in and find questions? Yeah, we're going to jump on a couple of fan questions. We owe you guys quite a few fan questions for all the Ooh. likes, the thumbs ups and all those things. Also go to, um, MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.com. I was Come on, about get, to say here, something dude, else. Do this. Run, yeah. Rub it so it gets warm, dude. It's early <laughs> in the morning God. here, buddy. It was early in the morning here, okay? My software shut off a little bit ago. <laughs> um, but go to One my of bo- the greatest online betting yes. things you can do, MyBookie.ag or .com. Awesome people. Use the promo code awesome. Wayne in. You get another 50% of your initial deposit. Look, the Super Bowl is this weekend coming up. So if you guys have it, yes, exactly. If you guys Tom gonna, Brady. If you, no, what are you talking <laughs> are about? You, you like those guys wearing red and Come gold. On, oh, Patrick Mahomes, terrible. baby. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> all the way. Let's go. Let's go. Um, go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Wayne in. You get 50% of your initial deposit. So if you guys plan on betting on the Super Bowl, it's a great time to do it. Jump gotta in. Got to put in at least $100 for that one. Got to put in at least $100. And then you, get you got $150. You got $150. Put in $1,000. See how I'm doing the math for you? Thank God someone is. <laughs> I That's why I always use the same one. If you put $1,000 in, you get another $500. It's $1,500 you get to spend. 500 of that will be their money that they're giving you to spend. So coming up with Super Bowl weekend, promo code is weighing in. Make sure you type that in so you get that 50% extra of money to gamble with. That's it. And in that one, you can you can bet on anything like who yeah. does the first field goal, who gets the first punt, is someone gonna get the first first down? Yeah, and you know it's gonna be Brady. Gosh, this guy. 
I got to push the button, dude. Just because just because the Tennessee Titans didn't make it past the ent- opening didn't. round, okay? Oh, just... they made it past the opening round. You're a liar now. Did they? Yes. Who they beat? Who they win? Man, they I can't believe that you would say that. that Who hurts. did they beat? They happened to lose to the Baltimore Ravens, but they won the game before that and did an outstanding job. Must have been against a nobody because you can't tell me the team. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. You can't even tell me the team. It was against a nobody. It's not fighting. I can't remember. It was probably head. against one of those teams that barely got in. They had a below 500 record. Oh, there you it go. probably was. See? Doesn't the Buffalo Bills do well? They're in it right now. Uh, they, they were in it until last week. I say, no, they're not in it. Yeah, your your team happened my to beat them. I don't know. Last my girl talks my to team smashed them. New York team. My team's going to smash everybody. <laughs> oh. For the next 10 Let's years. Let's go, Bucks. Jeez, calm down. If he, if he beats, if he beats, if he beats Tom Brady, I want you guys to put some speck on his name. You got to put some respect on that name. Some respect on my boy's name, Patrick Mahomes. Anyway. All right. All right. Let's get into these fan questions. All right. Uh, this was the most liked question, uh, the most thumbs up question that we had. So I'm going to um, give you this one first. John, you may have answered this before, but uh, it was very popular. So I had to, had to do it again. Uh, Shantanu Sengupta. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Okay. Uh, he wants to know, what was John's reaction when Nick Diaz laid in front of Anderson Silva and taunted him? <laughs> that, was a, that was one of those moments you just look at, oh, you got to be shit. <laughs> that was a you know the, that fight was put together and they were expecting fireworks they were expecting them both to come out and you know Anderson was he was respecting Diaz and, and, and wanting Diaz to come and throw so he could counter and Diaz wasn't throwing and Anderson wasn't throwing and then when you all of a sudden Nick Diaz flops on the ground and goes into his beach pose <laughs> on the thing right and I look at get up right because if the guy steps back away from you, yeah. then you have to, the referee has to make him get up. So I get up and, he, and he's like, why don't you, why don't you make him get down with me, John? Right. And it's like, cause I can't, <laughs> it's just the way the rules are, dude. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was just Nick. I, I enjoyed Nick Diaz oh, as a fighter. I enjoyed watching him. I enjoyed refereeing his fights. He was always, you know, he'd come up with stuff. He would say stuff and did things that nobody else would do. And that was just another moment for Nick Diaz. He's, he was quite special. But you can't it was make special him, in a fun way for me. I loved him. You can't make him get up though. Like that. I mean, like he could have butt scooted towards. <laughs> no, can't do it. That's that he, all comes. See, that comes back. Okay, all right. Do you know the butt scoot rule? No, I don't. Oh, uh, see, you're I know. Right. I know. I know. We can't do it. Though. I know we can't do it. But okay, that all came back. There was a fight, and Marillo. If you remember, Marillo Bustamante. Yep. Bustamante. People will say, and. Uh, he fought Tom Erickson in Tom Erickson's. I want to say it was one of his first fights. It might've been his first, but he was fighting in this show called uh, Mars reality, mm-hmm. mixed, mixed martial arts, reality, super fights. And it was the one that Henzo Gracie fought Oleg Tokarov and knocked him up. Got it. Up kick. But you had the fight with Tom Erickson, a Olympic wrestler, super heavyweight against, you know, Murillo Bustamante, the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And it was, one of the most horrible fights because Tom Erickson quickly realized I don't want to be on the ground with this guy. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. I've got him pinned and it's not working. Right. Yeah. And so he's standing up. Marillo wants does I don't want a 290 pound guy punching me. Yeah. And so he's want, he's going on the ground, he's butt scooting. And we looked at that and said, all right, we, this is bad for the sport. It's bad for people as far as watching. So if we have this situation where, the person who's standing, they have control of the fight, we will say. And if they 
press on them, we'll, we'll let it stay on the ground. But if they start moving away and the guy starts butt scooting or anything like that, you must get up. So that was the rule. That's the fight it came from. Good idea on get rid of that. <laughs> Good <laughs> idea. John, was there any part of you that when, because as Nick does it, you kind of like look like you're like, what the heck? As if like maybe he passed out. Is there any part of you that thought maybe like something like that happened? No. There was no part of me that thought that Nick was hurt or anything. I thought Nick is being nuts and saying, oh, it. look, I'll just lie on the ground because you don't want to come down here with me. And he was right. You know, awesome. but he is awesome. You know, I, I, I thought at the time, I, you, you know, a lot of people think that I'm so, you know, serious and stoic. And I am when I'm refereeing. That's, that's my job. And I, I'm not supposed to show any type of, you know, emotion. But inside, I'm like, I'm laughing my ass off going, you crazy fuck. You're, you're, John, John's a bully. John's a bully in the cage. Oh, man. Yeah. Listen to you. He is. You snowflake bitch. I was just laughing at you. Like, you'd grab. <laughs> I remember you would grab. I remember you would move me. Like, you'd like push or grab the arm or move. Like, you know, get back here. No, over here. It's like, <laughs> calm down, buddy. Calm down. Calm down, man. I'll start hitting you. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Then if I started hitting him, he would just fall on me. Ooh, boom. <laughs> Kill me. Fight's over. <laughs> All right, give us another one. All right, uh, the Black Napoleon wants to know to both Josh and John the most uncomfortable you have ever felt in the cage. What was happening? Why and when? The Black Napoleon. He must be like what four eleven, four eleven black guy, four eleven. <laughs> but he's powerful. Man. But he he's is got powerful. A, he's got a major army behind. Oh, that's him. All awesome. Right, let's go. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know the most uncomfortable you ever felt in the cage. When it was, why why it was, and what was going on. The most uncomfortable I ever felt in the cage. Oh, shit. I don't even know. I'd have to think. What do you think? You go first. Let me see if I can think of. Hey, dude, UFC 2. Come on, man. It's the beginning, and I have no fucking clue at all yeah. what I'm doing. And, and honestly, God, this is where it comes down to. The very first fight, Sean Dougherty versus Scott Morris. Last like 30 seconds, ends with him taking down, neck crank, taps out. I go, all right, cool. Next one is Pat Smith against Ray Wizard. And he guillotine chokes, and I see when he goes out, I'm going, stop, and he let's go. And I go, this is going to be easy. Yeah. This is great. I got this. And from that point forward, it was a nightmare for me. <laughs> and it was my most uncomfortable time in the cage. Oh, I got to say mine was probably the my last fight against Patricky. It just was uncomfortable. I was telling you guys this story probably a couple of weeks back that in the back, it was the first time I ever felt like a little bit of anxiety going into a fight. I Every fight before that, I loved it. I had that like, I can't wait to get in there, that feeling. But for some reason, just just that fight, I think... And I was kind of getting it. It was, I was feeling that fights before that. I think even before the Tony fight, I think it was the Bobby Green fight. I kind of started feeling that a little bit of that. Just like it didn't feel the same, like in the back warming up, in the in the loading area, especially. You know, it was it was it wasn't that same excitement of like, yeah, let's do this. Fifteen minutes, thirty or five, twenty five minutes, whatever fight it would have been. I didn't have that anymore, and it just. It became, and then the one that stuck out the most was the last fight was Patricky. And that's why when let me, people, ask, let me ask you a question on this, because that fight was bumped up to the main event that night. Yeah. Based upon Matt Mitrione and Fedor were supposed to fight. Yeah. And Matt Mitrione got kidney stones 
and ended up in the hospital. Did that, did that in any way change anything for you? No, uh-uh. No, I'd been in the main event several times and I had, I know I was, that, you know, that's why I was asking. it just, it was, no, it wasn't that I was, I was actually, I think that kind of made it a little bit more exciting for me, but okay. I just, no, I think it really was just my time. It was, it was the time of like, it what didn't feel the same anymore. It didn't feel the same. And I think that was probably the most uncomfortable I ever felt in there. And it was, it made it even more like weird for me. It was in San Jose. And I, I always knew in San Jose, I was like, this is like, this is home to me. Like Hometown. I, I never feel this. I never, that's the thing. I guess, I guess for me to go, the other probably time I felt a little bit more uncomfortable was, was like, uh, I was fighting uh KJ. I think we fought in San Diego. Maybe it was San Diego. No, maybe it was Ohio. Anyways, I can't remember where I fought KJ. I think we fought in Ohio, maybe Ohio. Anyways, I, I didn't feel great going into that fight. The weight cut was okay. It was a little, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't the anxietiness of it all. So I wasn't feeling it quite the, the Patricky fight was the time where I just didn't feel like. Didn't feel like being there. This is home. This is home. Why do I feel like this? This isn't right. What's going on? And it just felt, it didn't feel like being there kind of thing. Uh, What else? All right. The next question comes from Paul Menchos, Menchos, Menchos. Um, And he has one for both of you guys um big john what dream matchup would you come out of retirement to ref again <laughs> um i mean if, if it was my choice i mean there's so many fights i, I would love to referee because i enjoyed it and i enjoyed being in charge of the fights and but if you're going to say one uh matchup that was possible everyone would think it would be khabib versus gsp but i would not want to I would not want to do that fight, to be honest. You'd want to sit at home and watch it. <laughs> I would. Ra- well, I I would rather just you know let somebody else do because I, I think I know what's going to happen, yeah. and I don't want to be the guy that's part of that. Honestly, I know that's weird. It was the same as you know when BJ Penn came back against Yari Rodriguez. I, you know, I did not want that fight. I got it, and I had to do it. But it's like, ah, I, you know, you, people think referees are stupid, and okay, maybe we are. But we do understand fighting and we understand a lot about, you know, who's facing who and what's going on. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to pick, but especially when you go in the back and you talk to fighters, you get a pretty good sense of where they're at. And man, I did not want to do that fight, and, but it happens. But if I was going to say I could pick one fight and say, this is the fight I want to do, I want to do. And it's a guy that doesn't like me. John Jones against Israel Adesanya. That would be fun would be a good fight that would be a good fight is it because you'd want to you'd want to find a way to make <laughs> john jones list let a headbutt slide uh, <laughs> I, I did a lot of john's fight never lost yes. so you know you can say what they want but it's a matter of um you look at styles and the way you think the fight's going to be and being able to control certain things because they both don't like each other and they've said a lot so that's that adds another element to it, which is is fun for me, and it's cool because it's like a, you know, let's see what you try to do. Yeah, I lean more towards the other way with the with. I'd like to see you ref the Francis Ngannou and John Jones fight. That would be good too, only because I would like to see if there is a stoppage. You having to pull one of those guys off the other <laughs> one. <laughs> They're both enormous. Oh. God, that would be great. Francis is big. Yes, he is a big man. All right, Paul's also asking Josh, um, if life was Nintendo, what fight would you restart? 
If life was the Nintendo, what fight would I restart? The Eve's Edwards fight. Yeah, for sure. Because I was, I knew I was one in the fight. You know, I would probably just re, I'd reevaluate how if if I was a couple years older, just how I would have approached that whole situation scenario. We talked about that a little bit last week, and so if you guys haven't seen the show from last week, go back. I had a lot to say about it because I was on Eve's uh, podcast and we talked about it. We did the breakdown throughout hit throughout the fight so it was pretty cool we watched the fight we, we talked about it throughout the fight so it was cool but it's, it's only one moment and one mistake that'll change a fight oh and, yeah you know how many times it is that is just what happens and it's that's what makes fighting what it is that's why it's fun paul also asked me uh podcast dave who's easier to work with josh or john and i'll just confirm that it's john all day every day oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i give i give podcast dave just about uh 99% less crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's cuz he's 3000 miles away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I got to see John a lot more so I understand. Anyway. Nice um that did wants to know Masvidal versus Covington will it happen in 21 who wins? Love the show guys. Uh I think George wins. You know, I think wow. it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a tough fight, but I think it does. I think it does happen in 2021. Uh, I think it'll probably won't happen though until there's fans back. Uh, if they did do a show, it'd probably be in Florida because that's where aren't they both in Florida? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're both in Florida, so I could see it happening there in Florida. Maybe maybe it gives them a reason to go back to Miami. You know, um, they haven't been back to Miami, right? They've been in Orlando. But who would Donald Trump root for, Colby or <laughs> George? He would just be sitting front row. He'd probably be sitting front row, going, "Get him, get him." I mean, I, I think I, both I, of these guys are tremendous yep. or outstanding. Yep. Yep. Just I want to see both of them win bigly. <laughs> bigly. <laughs> bigly. Um, I, I think I think it's going to if it does happen, it'll happen in Florida. That'd be smart on their part to do that fight there. I, I think it does happen. I think and I think George wins. Easily. I wouldn't say easily. It's going to be a hard fought fight. George gonna have to get up probably six to ten times. I don't, get up George, off the I don't see it being easy at all. In fact, I no. think George is at a deficit in that fight. He's got the stand-up uh, is in his corner, no doubt. The wrestling is in Colby's, but the conditioning yeah. and the gas tank are definitely in Colby. Yes. Yep, I agree. I, I think, uh, I don't know, though. I, I, I think if you put, Colby hasn't changed at all. If you watch the Tyron Woodley fight, he's still the guy that fought Kamar Usman. And... And not that George has changed a whole lot, but I think he's going to go ahead and he's going to attack that calf kick. And I think by the third and fourth round, Colby ain't going to have the same wrestling pedigree. I'm not saying you're wrong. And look, in my opinion, Masvidal with his striking, he definitely has the advantage there. Yeah. Big time. Because Masvidal, people don't realize how slick he is. Oh, gosh. In the stand up game. He is so slick. And, and you know, you can watch and people talk about like Colby and Kamaru. And saying, well, look, Colby did a yeah, totally different level yeah. of take a look at the fight that Kamaru Usman brought to fight when he fought, you know, Masvidal and Masvidal was coming in on a week and a half's notice, Come, pushing him up, making his arms heavy, doing all the things that we talk about that you do to take a striker and degrade their ability to land the big shot. He did all those things. He didn't worry about that with Colby because yeah. Colby doesn't have that power and not having power against Masvidal is a problem because if there's one thing that Masvidal can do, he can take a shot. And if you can't hurt him, you can't make him respect your stand-up, yeah. he's a dangerous dude. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think Camaro is bigger than Colby. Like height oh, no wise, doubt. frame wise, yeah, all those frame things. Wise. Yeah, just frame wise. So when you talk about the two, like uh Mazdal is a big guy himself. I mean, not for 170, but he's I think him and Colby are about he is mutually, now. About he mutually is now. the same, mutually the same size, I think. And then and one Colby. time, yeah, he was a 155er, but he's put on the pounds yeah. where he's got a he's he's at the limit of being able to make 170 now. So that's pretty awesome. Yep. I, I, I like I like him. I, I root for him because he's an old strike force guy. So that's why. <laughs> he's a great guy. Coming um, from Kimbo Slice. Yeah. Come on. Backyard brawl. All right, I'll let you guys um, end on this one. This was another really popular fan question, and um, it's, it's a lengthy one, so I'm going to ask both of you guys. So, uh, Nine Fernando Torres asks, most MMA promotions judge fights round-wise using the 10 points must system, whereas Pride uh, in the past and one at present day judge MMA fights in the entirety. Big John, pros and cons of both systems uh would judging fights in the entirety favor a specific fighter type and uneven the playing field and then i'll go to your second josh yeah there's a there's a complete difference and and if you're going to take a look at this those two forms of judging a fight it just depends on the fight there's fights where i would say i wish they were using the pride system based upon a guy losing the first but losing it close but he would have lost the first round and he would have lost the second round, but he comes on in the third round and he puts it on his opponent. He's, and that's where you go. Yeah. The 10 point must system really doesn't, it doesn't take the, the spirit of the fight and bring it into play. It's basic, it's basic math and, you know, very black and white. And so the fans aren't happy with who wins that fight in that three round fight. But there are fights that I can tell you that the pride system is bullshit because a guy does fantastic in the first round and fantastic in the second round and then gets tired and loses the third and it's what they remember and they give the fight to the guy that doesn't deserve it. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. There, there's, there's no perfect. And do I think that the scoring system needs to be elevated and changed and brought up to the evolution of what we see of the sport of MMA? Absolutely. And I've talked to people about it and tried to kind of make it happen and right now it ain't gonna happen i'm just telling you yeah i think when you look at the pride situation the, the their circumstances and how they did their judging you have to remember that there was a lot of uh yakuza money involved in that as well yes, there was that skewed a lot of how how fights were actually judged as well um not all fights i'm not gonna say it was all but there was some fights in there you're like what the fuck were you watching like the guy won the last <laughs> yeah. two minutes and all of a sudden he won that's the, it the 15 yeah. minute fight there's just no way man there's no way but you got to remember there was a lot of there was a lot of other uh outside Fights. outside influences that outside were in, forces yeah that were in were influencing the outcome so that um as far as the 10 point uh 10 point must system i like it but i'd like to see a half system a half point system that would make a big difference on how yes. these fights uh end up happening so i think look the 10 point must system is not perfect but in terms of what we do it for, I think I'd lean more towards that way. But I also like the idea of the half point system. So then you fights are a lot closer. If you won, the, like you said, if the first round was so close. Now is, you know, 10 and a nine and a half. That's fine. You know, and then the guy the next round gets a 10 and nine. So then it's, you know, you're back in whoever wins the third. So it kind of works out. I think I like that system a little bit more. But like you said, it ain't happening right now. Yeah, and so the second part was just: Would you prefer it to be judged entirely, or would you prefer it to be judged by round? No, yeah, I want the fighter? half point. I want the half point. 
yeah. system. <laughs> Josh doesn't want anything that we do currently. He yeah. wants his own system. I want my own and system. I don't blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else you got? Nothing. Uh, for fine questions. Well, hey guys, we wanted to thank you guys so much that what we did today was we pulled some strings. We were able to a get couple. a guest on. We pulled a couple of screens. We were able to get a guest on. So, John, without further ado, because you do the best introductions ever. Well, I don't know about that, but for this guy, <laughs> when you take a look at you know the accomplishments in the in the combat sports world, because no one ever even goes back and looks at what this guy accomplished in the world of kickboxing, in the world of the Chuck Norris World Combat League. He even fought there. He uh, comes from a family of pure fighters. His dad was a stud, and we were lucky enough to have the Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson, one of the top welterweight fighters in the world, and he was awesome to talk to. All right, now we are lucky enough to have one of the best welterweight fighters in the world, a guy who basically was the second revolution of bringing karate into mixed martial arts right beyond Leota Machida, but actually extended it in a different way. What is up, Wonder Boy? How you doing, Steven? What's up, y'all? Man, <laughs> glad to be on with you guys. How's that voice coming along, buddy? Oh, man, it's it's killing me. It's killing me. Been yelling at kids. We had a, a five-hour junior black belt exam. So, And then extreme dodgeball tournament after that, like the next day. <laughs> my voice is gone. Uh, but please bear with me. Um, um, you know, I couldn't, could not not talk with you guys. So I appreciate y'all having me on. So I, I saw some of some videos you've posted of you playing dodgeball with the kids and you're Mr. No Mercy, buddy. No mercy no, for man. these kids. <laughs> Dude, you, were, you were Nolan Ryaning them, man. <laughs> I was. balls. These kids have been playing this, this game since they were three years old. So they got some cannons, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If I take them lightly, <laughs> they're going to smoke me. And, you know, it's part of their training. It's part of the body conditioning. Taking a dodgeball to the face, part of their conditioning process, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do the parents say when you, if you do catch them in the face? Or when one kid catches another kid in the face? What do they say? They don't say a dang thing. <laughs> they don't. They tell them to suck it up is what they yeah. say. You'll be all right. Suck it up. That's awesome. So it's funny. It's funny. You know, when, when you come to our gym, we've been in business for, man, 38 years. I, this is the gym that I grew up in. Um, me and my brothers and sisters, we grew up there. Like We lived there. Um, we kind of had no say so growing up. Martial arts was part of our lives. And until we could make um, our decision or our own decisions, what my dad thought we could make our own decisions, which was like 18, 19 years old, it was mandatory in the house. We were training. So when these kids and parents kind of come in, they kind of get the vibe of how everything rolls, right? So on the mat is my spot. We've had parents try to come out on the mat to try and, I guess, coddle their kid. We mm. tell them, nope, this is our mat. You yeah. need to hop off the hop off the mat. We'll take care of it. So they learn real quick what it's about. And um, they love it, man. They love it. That's good. I mean, what, how big is your program there? Oh, man, we got... About 750 students. We take them as, take them as young as three. And our oldest student is 75. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, we got our biggest program is our kids program, our karate program. Of course, of course. We have MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, a fitness MMA class as well. 
Um, we do it all, man. It's it's awesome. Your oldest student is th- three or four years younger than John here. Big John I knew McCoy. he was going to say it. <laughs> I knew it. Three or three four, or four years, years younger than John. <laughs> it's crazy to think that John's 79 years old and still able it's to watch. Wilder. It's crazy, yeah. He, well, he doesn't Steven, look a day, a day over Steven, you, you can ask him what happens when he tries to take me down and stuff. Go ahead. You know, go ahead. So, Big Mr. John, his, 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 there's no sprawl. He just falls. Uh, like a tree? You. Like a tree. Just, just falls. Just, just I put like, him against Cade, sitting there hitting him, and he's like, no. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. It's he's like, like, that's what you get. Yeah. That's yeah. What you get. He's <laughs> So heavy, Mr. man. So Mister Fire, <laughs> like a tree that just fell. Timber. I was. Like, I shot a sing. I shot a single leg on him one time, goofing around, and I, I did. I got to like get, start to get to the leg. It was a mistake. No, and he just he took fell. it to another level. He oh, took yeah. it to another. You're kidding around. I oh, yes, there, yes. There. John McCarthy probably took it to another. Level. He did. He did. There was just no. I was over here laughing, having a good time, and John like, no, nah, no. Nah. He showed me the hips and just sprawled on me. <laughs> And I, I thought I, I thought it was a sprawl. He really just fell. What it was, and, uh, according to you, now it is. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm giving him a little extra credit. I'm assuming that he knows what a sprawl was. He's just like, oh, oh yeah, he oh went, yeah. He went to move. It's his- funny because the last time I saw you, we were zombies. Yes, we were. Yes. In California, we were oh, nothing, nothing has changed for Josh. Yeah, nothing has changed. I still walk <laughs> through I still walk through life like a zombie, buddy. No, we, oh it was God. it's funny, yeah, because we spent how long did we spend like hours in those chairs to get the makeup done? Yeah. And remember yeah. how remember how cold it was? It was freezing. It was freezing. freezing. We had all the wet makeup on, you know. Oh, who was it? Tim Kennedy was out there like setting everything up yeah. for the zombie. Oh, this was for range fifteen. Range fifteen. Got it. Yeah, but we were out there. Hey, what a high level movie that was. It was. It was good though. It was good in terms of (laughs) what. It was was good in terms of what it did though. It was good. Randy was in it. Um, Keith Jardine was in it. Yourself, Phil Davis, myself. We had we had a great time on set that day. It was fun hanging out, man, and hang out with some with some vets too. It was pretty. Yeah, that was awesome. The the we got there at what like five in the morning. Remember we got so there at five, it was freezing. And then remember later on in the day, it was so hot and we had to run yep. down that hill and there was like the sawdust and the dust and the dirt got in our fake blood. And like, <laughs> he, we just, it was stuck to us. I mean, it took me probably a good, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour to get it off. To get that off. hundred yeah. percent. I was back in my hotel, you know, just trying to scrub that thing off. It took me longer. It took me longer for sure. Cause yeah. the next day I had to leave at like 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. or something like that to get back home. But yeah, that's the last time I saw you. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, how, things have been good, good though. Things things like seem like they've been very good for you since then. That was when you first they're, made they're, the cut down awesome. to seventy. That was when yeah. you first came down to seventy. Seventy. I was like, man, I was like, this guy is ripped, dude. Like, how was he fighting at eighty five? Then I remembered right then at that moment. I was like, oh wait, you're making that cut to seventy, and so yeah. it was right around 70, that time. And it was. I, I think it was before. Was it was it before or after I was in the UFC? I don't remember. It might have been after, maybe after the Matt Brown fight. You were already I in think. the UFC. Okay. Yeah, you were already yeah, in yeah. the UFC. Gotcha. I think it was after the Matt Brown fight um, is when when that happened. Got so it. my second fight in the UFC, for sure. Yeah, because you fought your your first fight was at 185, correct? No, no, it was 170. 170 in the UFC. Yep. Was it really? Always been 170. Then what fight was it that I saw you threw like you threw the right hand and the head kick came right after? I thought that was at 185. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. You do not throw a right hand and throw a right head kick. That is wrong. <laughs> you tell everybody throughout your time teaching martial arts, 
don't do that. That's wrong. John is not do flexible it, enough to do that. The, that is why. No, that, that's that's true. That's true. That's but what they, they want you to think. <laughs> yes, that's what they want you because they don't want you to hit them with it. Is why they tell you that. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I thought that was at one eighty five. That was at one seventy. No, it was one seventy. Oh, wow. sure was. Sure man, was one seventy. Sorry, buddy. It was Dan Stigen. It was a guy who fought Dan Stigen. It was, I was the first fight on that card, and that was probably one of my most. Um, that was probably my favorite UFC memory mm. because MC Hammer, yes, Hammer Time, walked me walked me to the venue, uh, just chatting away with my mom. Yeah, and then he was kind of part of our management company at the time. Wow, uh, MC Hammer was, and then GSP was in my corner for that fight. Wow, he was my inspiration to switch from kickboxing to MMA, and been done a lot of training with him. So he was in my corner for that fight. It was pretty cool, pretty yeah, epic. That's awesome. GSP is uh, he's. I, I've talked to him a couple times. I don't know him in per se, but like he seems like such a great guy. And you see all the interviews. Sweet guy, friends. man. Seems like a great guy. Exactly he what really you get. He's, he's exactly what you get when you see in the media. Or you talk to him. He seems like the same exact person. Nothing really seems like it changes and strays too much far apart. Seems like a great guy. He's, um, a, he's a, the one thing. Let's let's talk about him for a second. He's a true martial artist. Everything yes. about his lifestyle is that way. But yes, sir. Let, me, let me ask you, being a guy that. Uh, you know, knows him well. He was thinking about fighting, coming back and fighting Khabib. I was looking and saying, don't do it. Please don't do it. And I was too. You, how did you feel? Okay. Uh, the same. Cause you know, for, to him, it was, it was okay. I might, if you're not a hundred percent into it, then you shouldn't fight. Yeah. I mean, that's how you're going to get, it. I think, uh, you know, potential for injury. If, if, if you're going into the fight, I guess, you know, half-ass. You know, you're, you got to be 100% mentally there if you're going to go out there and scrap with somebody. He knows that. So, you know, I just didn't want him to have the big wig, you know, the, the guys pushing him to make that fight happen if he doesn't want to happen, if he doesn't want to make that fight happen. Because, like I said, if you're not 100% in it mentally, physically, emotionally, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I looked at it, and, you know, and Khabib and Josh, you know, they're teammates, and he's worked with him so many times, and he's so good. And it's just that entire, you can't just make this something that you do part-time. Right. You have to be all in and you have to be doing it, even though he works out all the time. I know that, but it's just different. Well, it is different. It, it, it wasn't and, so much, sorry to interrupt, but it wasn't so much in terms of that, it, that I wanted to see the fight. Of course, I wanted to see that fight, but I also wasn't sure if I wanted to see a 40-year-old GSP fight a young guy in his prime who's a savage, you know, and I've seen him go against guys at, at 170 that were three-time, you know, national champs in, in college wrestling. I've seen him go against top-level wrestlers as far as on the Olympic ladder as well, and I'm not saying that he can smash them and beat them every time, but he's getting his takedowns. And I know that GSP's yeah. got a wrestling background as well, but at 40 years old, you're not the same person you were when you were 32 and 33. The other thing that concerned me about them potentially fighting is that with GSP, I, everyone has the utmost respect for him. And that, I don't want them to have that look in terms of, of him after, if he was to lose that fight, oh, he was really right. nobody. He wasn't that good. That's not true. Yeah. That's not true at all. And, and I like both of them. They have a mutual respect for each other as well, which was nice. But we, what weight were they going to fight at? Were they going to fight at 70? Were they going to fight at 65? Now I'm getting a 40-year-old depleted GSP if he fights at 65. Yeah. It just, there was a lot of questions. It didn't seem, if they were going to fight at 70, I would say, okay, I give GSP more of a chance, you know, and, but just being younger. And I, it was even still was kind of a toss-up. 
it's just at 40 years old, it's a lot. It's a lot to put on your plate to come back and do what he was trying to do. But even then, I bet you a 170 Khabib is even more of a savage than yeah. a 155 Khabib. I mean, then yeah, I, I hear sometimes he walks around over 200 pounds. There has um, been there had been times. I think times. now he's been keeping himself. There in have check. been rumors. There have there has there has <laughs> been times, but but also too he he has now really he. I think after the uh, Ali Quinta fight, he really put his weight in check. It was more of a, he had a nutrition with him all the time. He made sure that he was keeping things on track. Um, I think also to the time that those, those last, those last months that he spent, not just with his father, but also with their, he seemed a lot more focused on what his life was yeah. meant to be, you know, what his life was meant to be now. So, and the way, and the way Khabib just treats guys, man. And when he's out there, he doesn't, he doesn't make it fun for his opponent at all. Like it, you know, he smashes people. And yeah. I've seen GSP, you know, after a, a pretty close fight, he doesn't wear it very well. No. He doesn't wear it. I mean, his his face is banged up. He's taken a lot of punishment. And that's how Khabib fights. He's not that one-hitter, quitter, knock-you-out type of guy. He grinds you and makes you give up. And, like, mm. like mentally, he makes you just quit, just give up out there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I didn't want that for him. And on top of that, it's like – you know, why at this point, there's no reason for GSP to come back and try and, you know, at least hurt your legacy. If, if that, you know, like, like BJ Penn, BJ Penn came back and I think it did worse for his legacy than anything else. Yeah. Right. If he would have retired and stayed retired, you know, I would, I would be looking at him differently now. Do you, do, do you, do you put Connor in that same category right now after his well, fight last week? I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I kind of agree where he's at. Like the UFC is not letting him compete. Um, he's their cash cow. And you're gonna fight once a year and it's gonna be a big card and we're gonna get millions of dollars for it. Um he's he's mentioned in the past he's wanted to compete, but they would just wouldn't let him. Um, you know, want want to stay active and and you know, keep getting better in the octagon, but once a year is just he thinks it's it's not enough, and yeah. you can tell it. His last fight, he just didn't move like he normally normally does. You know, he's not on his toes. He's his kind style of style was completely that. different. Right. He I looked like a boxer. He did not right. look like the mixed martial artist that we all have watched be very effective with a stand up karate style, very similar to yours. Uses his kicks, basically no kicks, none, none. And his opponent, I mean, that low calf kick was there all day because he was just plodding forward. So it was there. Normally he's in and out, you know, it makes a hard for his opponent to beat on that front leg, but it was there every time. Well, what made the difference, I think, for the front leg was that they're both southpaw. So that, that front leg was yeah. now susceptible to being kicked when he fights other fighters. Majority of the fighters he's fought have been conventional so that it's more of an inside leg kick. And that's why his style works so well. Is he's so he's so used to that checking that inside leg kick and countering with the straight left down the pipe and then the right the right hook and then finishing with yep. the kick or coming back with another straight left. That's he that's been like his token uh moves since he's been in the game, you know, in terms of this. But then now you fight a good guy who fights left-handed, who's also southpaw, and he's able to tear up that lead leg. That's not something he was prepared for. He talked about it in the press conference. Yeah, and, and somebody who's been in there with you before. Yeah. You know, he so he kind of knows he kind of knows you a little bit. So um I agree, man. I agree with both you guys. So we'll see. I hear maybe the fight might be happening again. We don't know. Well here's the other thing too is is I look at when you were talking about they're not only letting him fight maybe once a year. There's a couple reasons I think for the casual fan at home or for people that just don't understand that is because 
you can't they can't afford right now during COVID to give that up that amount of money to pay. So they had they had some fans pay this time. But on top of it as well is that you also don't want to lose if you have him fight twice in a year. It's almost like going to the same venue twice in a year. Yeah. Now people don't buy the tickets. They're like, oh, I'm going to watch him fight next time. It's almost like yeah. you've got that hot commodity. Let's do it once a year. And then, okay, when next Make time he fights, big. this might be the last one. This might be the last time he fights. And that's what they're doing. They're doing like, hey, I'm, yeah. I don't want to go to I don't want to go to to Florida anymore for fights because we've already been there. Let's go to New York. Okay, we went to New York two years ago. Let we, we can go back now. If you go every year, people aren't going to buy tickets anymore. And so that yeah. it's that I think that's a big reason why that they did what they did in terms of trying to keep him off. You're not going to buy the pay per views if he's going to fight again in six months. Right. So it makes sense for the UFC, to but it doesn't make sense for route. the fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. And it's a, it's a problem. You got to think about it. Connor's the one that set that fight up with Poirier. He went and basically said, he Hey, did. we'll do this for charity. We won't make a dime. And you and I will put it all towards your charity. And he was kind of, we'll do it in Ireland. We'll all set this up. And that's when Dana said, Oh, this is a fight we need to do. Sure. Yeah. 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 They knew there was a little bit of problem. Let's, let's talk about your career. Let's talk about your last fight. First off, where you looked phenomenal, dude, you were all over that. You were moving. You're going against a guy with super heavy hands. How did you get hurt ever by Jeff Neal? Not at all. Not even the, the headbutt in the first round dazed me. Um, I knew we headbutted. I didn't know I was cut until probably the beginning or when I went back to my corner in the, uh, after the first round, I realized I was cut, but um, I just felt great, man. I mean, I was out for a year, broke both my hands uh, in the Vicente Luque fight, took a little while to heal up. Then the pandemic hit and then we were shut down for forever and then trying to find the right fight. You know, um, there was kind of uh nobody out there. And Jeff Neal was kind of like, Hey man, I'm here. I was like, all right, let's make it happen. So he's right. He was ranked number 11. And, um, you know, and everybody keeps telling me, well, why are you fighting this guy? You should be fighting somebody ranked above me. But at the same time, I was in his shoes, him and Vicente both not too long ago. And of course, Jake Ellenberger, Johnny Hendricks gave me that opportunity. So I kind of wanted to, you know, do that for them to see if number one, to test myself. Cause I was out for a year Two to kind of give back and say, Hey man, you know, test yourself. And I'm the guy that you're going to be doing it against, but it gives me confidence knowing that these up and comers, they can't, um, number one, they got to work on some, something, but it also tells they me can't that crack the code. They Come can't on. crack it. They can't get <laughs> it. So I felt great, man. I really did. Cardio was great. I could have done five more rounds after that, but, um, uh, yeah, man, it was just, it was, it was, it was money. It was a money fight for sure. I loved it. What was the one thing that happened to your leg? Because you were hobbling when you were leaving the octagon and going. I tore my quad. I tore my quad. Inside or outside quad? Uh, outside. Ooh. Outside. So the only knee I pretty, I'm pretty sure I've ever thrown in a fight. I ended up uh, injuring myself. <laughs> so I ended up tearing my quad. I thought it was my kneecap. So I was bending my leg, trying to get my kneecap back in place. But it wasn't moving. I was like, that's not my kneecap. What is that? And then I didn't realize until after the fight, it was it was just my muscle had bundled up right above my knee where it had tore. So fifth round, I couldn't move a whole lot. So I kind of had to sit there and bang it out with a heavy hitter. And uh, but at that point, I kind of wore him down. Like he I knew his power, his his power had subsided a little bit. His speed wasn't there like it was in the first round. So it was almost like I didn't have to really. Of course, you always have to worry about something, but it wasn't as threatening in that fifth round as it was in the first. 
So uh, I think he was frustrated at the same time, just with the movement, always circling to the left. But um, uh, he just didn't adapt. He couldn't adapt to uh, the style, I guess. Yeah. Do you um, call, do you, do you, when you watch other fighters that can't adapt, let's say like not, we're not talking about Jeff Neal, but like other fighters that have not been able to adapt in a fight. Do you consider that a fighter's issue or do you consider that a corner issue? I think it's a fighter and a coach issue issue. So together, I mean, when it, together, yeah. I mean, a, a coach, you see this a lot in boxing and, 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 and a lot of kickboxing. Like I grew up doing both sides and, and maybe that's just, just the, the karate uh, that I that I trained in, we were able to do both sides, and I can't tell you, like how much that has saved my behind being able to switch sides. You know, taking damage on my leg, being able to switch sides and be able to throw. You just have more weapons in your arsenal, I think, mm-hmm. with being able to switch. And you throw a lot of fighters off. Like when I saw Connor take those low calf kicks, I'm like, switch sides, man. You know, yeah. he wasn't able to do can't it. Do it. And um. I, I see that with with coaches. They don't allow their guys. They want their power hand to be in the back. They want their jab, their their weak hand to be in the front. Their jabbing hand, and they don't let them switch. I don't know if that's the laziness of of a coaching because when you hold mitts for somebody, it's a little bit easier to hold mitts for somebody yeah. when they only have one side, right? But when they're able to switch sides, they they're kind of they have a hard time keeping up the guy holding mitts. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just the, the laziness. It's easier to coach somebody when they're only one side forward. But um, I think it's a coach issue. I think everybody should be training uh, both sides. I think you just have more weapons in your arsenal. You throw your opponent off, um, especially if you're, you're, you're fighting a boxer or a wrestler. It makes it more difficult. Yeah, being able to switch also makes them think. And there's that hesitation. That was like, um, I did notice when I, I think it was my third fight with Gil. I was watching, he had fought Mazadal years before that. And every time Mazadal would switch his stance, Gil would take a step backwards. So I was like, I had kind of hurt my knee the week before. So I realized that if I switch my stance when I'm getting tired, or I switch my stance when something's, I don't feel comfortable, he'll step away. And it worked like clockwork, especially in the first awesome. two rounds. So yeah. I, I think also too, with the evolution of the sport, it people are just switching left and right now all the time making people guess and so now others are having to make that adjustment because if you switch and you throw right off the bat if you have a combination already in mind it's when you switch and you wait the, the fighter doesn't respect you when you switch and throw they don't have a chance to adjust their defense and so there's a lot right. more it's things like, that adapt it's like what the military does when they have you heard of the, the tactical l yep i have not it's a it's a maneuver that the police a lot of SWAT military guys use when somebody's coming at you if they don't have time to pull their their weapon from their from their holster, they back up and they angle off. And they say that I guess scientifically that the, the, the opponent has a hard time keeping up. Like their brain kind of flips, and they have to be able to adjust in that moment. And there's a pausing. They pause for a second, which which allows the, the 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 police officer or the military to be able to 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 um you know pull out their weapon. So it's it's like the same thing. It's like their brain's not keeping up. They have to back up and adjust. And in that moment, when you attack, you know, your, your shots land. So being able to switch sides, I think is crucial, especially for MMA guys, fighters nowadays, if they, if they want to take their, their skill level to another, to, you know, to another level, they're going to have to get used to that. I think that's something that you actually have to do in the beginning, because if you start fairly late, if you get put in an uncomfortable situation, you'll always go back, you know, to whatever side you normally keep. 
you want to be comfortable with, comfortable with both sides, you know? So whenever you're out there in a, in a stressful situation, maybe you're getting pieced up and you're trying to switch, you won't stay there for very long. Yeah. You know, the, t- the tactical L reminds me of the, when you teach boxers, you teach kickboxers two steps back and then move left to right, circle cut out. your angle. Yeah. You got to circle out, just kind of make it, ch- it changes the adjustment of the angle of which the punches and kicks are going to come from then. So you take, don't take more than two steps back because you're going to end up hitting the cage or you take two yeah. steps back and circle left and right. You can change the angle of your punches as well as your opponent has to readjust. So it makes sense. It's, it's, it's cool how similar that is, though. The, con, yeah. the you know, combat sports and, and military use. And it's 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 pretty much the same, especially now with the, the way that combat sports has changed in terms of. There's so many more weapons. Now it's really considered, I really believe it really is considered mixed martial arts because you got to think in terms of the things that remember, I, I don't know, for for me, when I came into the sport, it was like, okay, wrestling and jiu-jitsu, a little yeah. bit of striking. And then, you know, and then Lyoto came in. It was like, oh, wait, kickboxing works. And Mirko came in. It was like, wait, kickboxing is knocking out these wrestlers and these good jiu-jitsu guys. So all they got to do is learn how to. And so the sport has now started to evolve into all the stuff that we didn't think was going to work. You know, the Anderson yep. Silva kick up the middle, you know, to Vitor's <laughs> yeah. face. I mean, there's things that, that just work. And then, you know, um, Lyoto hit that a couple times on some people as well. You saw just the evolution of what is going on. And now yep. leg locks are coming back. Remember in UFC, what, two or three leg locks yeah. were a big deal, you know, with Ken Shamrock and whoever, back, you know, and then now they're back with Gordon Ryan and all the group. And then they're making their way into the into the UFC and the MMA itself. This is crazy. The sport has come full circle and it's getting better and better every time. That's what makes this sport so exciting and probably one of the fastest growing sports in the world, man. Mm-hmm. MMA, combat sport. It's funny, you know, it's like I've talked to professional athletes, you know, baseball players, soccer players, and basketball players. Man, you can tell that they, they want to be that fighter. You know, they want to be. They do until that, they're that in there person. getting punched in the face. And then exactly. they go, baseball is the greatest <laughs> sport ever. Ever. <laughs> but I think it's the ultimate, the ultimate sport, man. It's like if if it's that sport where that person that you're a fan of, if he wants to, you know, like for me, I can come to your house and take anything you got. If shit hit the fan, I can do that. And you can do nothing about it. You know, as a man, it's like yeah. the ultimate sport, right? The combat sport, I think. You know, just being able to, you know, to fend for yourself, to fight for your family, but having that skill set, I think the other sports, um, they see that, but they kind of envy that as well. Like I've talked to a lot. I'm like, man, I wish I did that, man. I was like, well, come do some training. They're like, uh, uh-uh, I don't want to get punched in the face. Oh, for a second I there, I thought you guys were talking about sharpshooting. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna jump back here and, and clarify something, but I'm gonna put you in the hot seat, Stephen. Who was the first kickboxer that came in and actually changed the sport? Talking about of MMA. MMA. It's okay if I you believe- don't get it, but I got to give credit to where it's due. Because Josh I- said a couple of names that are great. I know but they who. were they were long after the guy that changed it. Yeah, but I know who. Oh man. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Um, golly, he was I'm the old. he was the heavyweight champ. Yes, he was. Oh man. Oh shoot, what was his name? He fought okay. K1 as well, I believe. Yes, he did. Is Maurice Smith? Yes, Maurice yes. Smith. Yes, Maurice, Maurice Smith. Smith. Maurice Smith was actually fighting in what was called Extreme Fighting Battlecade and fought Conan Silvera, who is now a great coach at ATT. When he was the champion, knocked him out with a head kick, came into the UFC, and he beat Mark Coleman. When Mark Coleman, everyone was saying no one could beat that guy, yep. beat him down. Yeah. UFC beat 14. Him down. 
Yep. Beat him down. He was, That's he when was leg the kicks, OG striker. Le- leg kicks with Marco Huas was at USC 7 against Paul Varlins. Rest in peace for Paul. But it was Maurice Smith that beat Mark Coleman. Eating you him are up like an that. encyclopedia, brother. Yeah, oh, my I goodness. Know. I can't get rid of it. I, I feel bad about that. But I had <laughs> well, to, you were I, there. I, I you had were to there get props to Maurice Smith. You were there through it all, man. That's I'm awesome. I'm still astonished by the fact that his brain works at 79 years old. Still the same. <laughs> still the same. It's it's, it's so yes. impressive, Stephen. This is it's every day I deal with this. When I talk to him, and I'm like, "Geez, how is a man at your age still be able to function like this?" Your brain, very impressive. Retarded. Steel trap. <laughs> <laughs> all right, like hey, we got trap. we we do have a huge welterweight fight coming up. You being in the welterweight class in the UFC, you've got. Kamaru Usman taking on Gilbert Burns. I know you would like to face both of them, but who do you think is going to win that fight? And then we want to talk about who you should be facing. Oh, man, you guys will put me on the spot here. This Damn is a tough straight, one. man. We, got, we need an expert. One. We don't have any okay. experts here. So I think this is going to be Kamaru Usman's toughest fight for sure. I mean, this guy's got the ground. He's got, you know, the, he's, he's a, he's a high-level jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's got good strike. He's been knocking dudes out. So I, he's, I think the better well-rounded fighter that he's faced, I mean, even over at Colby Covington, um, but Usman on top of that, he's an intelligent fighter. He's got pressure and cardio for days. He's got a gas tank like no other, but I do believe that he can, he can out wrestle, um, uh, Burns and, but does know, he want terms, to, um, I think Dangerous. he could. I, I, th- I think he could wrestle him and neutralize his jujitsu. His top game is is really really good, especially up against the fence. If he can get him pinned up against the fence where he's able to control his opponent's hips, I think he's got it. But the thing is, is getting in there. Uh, Burns is striking is fast, man. That dude's, dude's explosive. He may not have the reach Kamara does, but he's explosive. And you saw it against Tyron Woodley. He knocked him down. Uh, something I wasn't able to do. And um, and I consider. I think I'm a, a pretty fast. Uh, Kamara, you're, pretty, you're a pretty good striker. We'll I'm, give I'm you credit. Pretty, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I think, I believe Kamara Usman can do it. I like Kamara Usman. I think he's a great champ. You know, he is. I think he holds the title very well. Yeah. I agree with you. I think he holds it very well. Yeah. He, he's, so I'm going for, I'm going for Usman, man. I think Usman's okay. got it. All right. So you think he's going to wrestle him, be able to nullify his jujitsu from that position? I mean, I don't know if he has another, like, I know he's decent on the feet. But when you put the two of him and Gilbert and him together, I think Gilbert's striking is a little bit faster. He's got, but Gilbert's got to get in. I'm interested to know um, if 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 it does hit the ground. You're saying that if he pressures him to the fence, the two of them have trained together for years. Yes, and so the two of them know very well what the other one does. What adjustments do you think either one's going to have to make, though? Because they, you think they're going to kind of just keep doing what they're doing because they worked in training, or are they going to try to do something else? I think they're going to try and do something. They know each other. They've been training each other. I think they said they had two over 200 like sparring matches or something like yeah. that. I saw on social media. So these guys have trained quite a bit. It was over, so they a, know over a thousand, so over a gonna, thousand sparring matches. Thousand sparring matches. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. crazy. So I think they're going to have something up their sleeve for each other. You know, they know each other very well. And, you know, it's, it's now it's going to be on an intimate level. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, when you step out there, you can have sparring partners all day. It's not the same, but when you go out there and you face somebody and you're ready to do combat and it's like, I'm trying to, you know, push your face to the back of your skull. At the end of that, you learn a lot about somebody, right? It's almost like an, on an intimate level. Like you, you, you have a lot of respect for that guy. 
And now it's, it's getting to that point. But, so, but I think they, they're going to have something up their sleeve. Do I know what that is? I do not. Uh, but they do know each other. And I think they're, uh, they're, they're going to prepare each other, uh, uh, you know, accordingly to, to how they felt each other in training. Well, since you picked Kamaru Usman, though, but he, had, he ended up having to go to Colorado to train with Trevor Whitman, correct? John, yeah. am I right? Let's go still. Yeah, track. he's been all over. So he's been there. He's been there at Trevor Whitman's training out there at Altitude, or it's called Elevate. Is that the name of the gym there? Ele- Elevation. But Elevation. He's also, been tra- he's also been training up in uh, the Jersey area with Eddie Alvarez and uh, a guy named The Answer or something. Yeah, like yeah some small guy named The Answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie Edgar, baby. Frankie Edgar. Um, but I mean, how much do you think that that will play a role in his, in his fight against Burns? I mean, Burns is staying there at, at their at their champ at, at uh, Sanford uh, Sanford Health Sanford MMA. Yeah, well, it is Sanford it is Sanford Health, but Sanford like... MMA. He's Gilbert's able to stay there and train with all the same guys. His routine hasn't been broken. How much do you think that affects uh, Usman having to change camps? I don't think it affects him at all. I it, I think it actually will will help him out for this fight because now we get he's got different looks. He's getting uh, different information and. and um, you know, training with guys that he's probably never trained before, which is going to make him go to another level. A lot of times when you spar the same guys over and over again, you know, that, 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 um, getting better process slows down because you know each other very well. Right. So now he's getting different looks. So, you know, he's, his, his game is evolving because he's having to adjust to, to their styles now. Um, that's why whenever I, I train, I try and go to New York City. I try and go to TriStar to get different looks. So that way, you know, I can somewhat have faced somebody very similar to my opponent, right? Um, and I think that's that's helped me adapt to my opponents, you know, mid-fight. At some point in time, I face somebody, um, you know, very similar to the guy that I'm fighting. So I think it's good to go out there and, and, and spar with different guys. And I think it's going to help him because he's now he's getting different looks, different coaching, get, giving him different new ideas um, and things like that. So I, I think it could definitely help him. Let's talk about your next fight because you had that great fight with Jeff Neal and you're kind of sitting out there and there's all kinds of talk about different guys. Michael Chiesa had a great performance against Neil Magny and he kind of even called you out. He was talking about possibly fighting you. But who is it that you go, this is the guy that I would really like to step in that cage against? Well, I, I kind of um, picked at him a little bit on Twitter. Uh, a little, you know, I got, of course, he didn't give me a whole lot of feedback. He kind of shut, shut me down, which is why I think he got cut from the UFC or at least from the top five for a little bit, Leon Edwards. Yeah. And now they kind of, he's fighting Hamzat, who's had one fight in the welterweight division. And uh, it's kind of jumping past a lot of people. I don't think they're, I think they're kind of upset, but I kind of see it, how that kind of went down, you know, could be retiring. I kind of called it and they, they need somebody to kind of push, you know, from that standpoint, push from, you know, Khabib's part of the world, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, he's had three fights and three finishes, but he's had one fight at welterweight. And now that he's fighting Leon Edwards, but it was, it was Leon. I think he's a very scary dude, man. He's, he's, He's good everywhere. When you first saw him in the UFC, his striking was very, very good. Now, his last two fights, he was taking his opponents down. He took down RDA, controlled him on the ground. Um, so it's, it's so to face him, it would almost be like fighting, preparing for Rory McDonald all over again. So I think he's great everywhere. I think that was kind of the the guy I was shooting for, but he wasn't having it. 
Well, my next, I guess my question is, is that are you looking to, to fight him or fight the winner of this fight then, given the fact that they're going to fight and whoever wins, does that put you there? Or do you think you're going to end up, let's say uh, Chimeyev wins, would that push you above Chimeyev then? And then Chimeyev would be down a couple and then do you fight it out to see where you're at? I think Chimeyev, if he wins, I think they'll push him for a title fight, like right off the bat. Mm. As as hard as they're pushing this guy, yeah. I really, I really do. I think if he goes out there and he puts a whooping on Leon Edwards, I think they're pushing him for a title fight. I'm gonna. Which, so look, I know it's not fair, man. But you know, no, I, I don't agree with it. Nope, I don't agree with it, man. And and you know, everybody says you know it's a business, but you know, at one point in time, the 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 I worked my behind off to get to where I'm at. Right. And you got a lot of guys out there. Like I, I think uh, Vicente Luque do, is more deserving of a title fight than, than Hamza. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I think that's that that's what I'm predicting. I think they're gonna push him for a title fight. So I I guess <laughs> when when we're getting into this conversation is where you have Mazadal ahead of you by one. You got Leon and then you got Gilbert Burns who's fighting for the title, and you got Colby. Where, like, if they end up pushing him for that title shot, where does that, where does that put you? Like, Mazadal is one of those guys right now. He's like, if you're not, if you're not the champ, I'm pretty much thinking if you're not Connor, you're not the champ. He, he's not really, doesn't seem like he's interested to fight right now or another, right. Nate, or another Nate. I think that's everybody in the top right now. Colby Covington as well. Yeah. You know, he just got, he got demolished. I think, I don't think he deserves another title shot after no. that beat down that, uh, that, uh, Demolished? You know, what are you talking about? He was mad at the referee. He got that oh, fight was God. stolen from him. We, what <laughs> yeah, are you, did you watch it? I, oh yeah, yeah. No, I want to look <laughs> in the eye. I'm just like, what are you talking about, bro? What are you talking about? You got your jaw broken. You were, you got TKO. Yeah. Yes, you know, he did. You don't deserve another title shot yet. But everybody in that top is 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 thinking that right now, uh, which is kind of annoying to be honest with you, because you know I would like to kind of work my way back up. You know, uh, the last two guys were ranked number 11. Uh, and, and I don't, I'm, I'm hoping that the UFC is not trying to make me that gatekeeper. Cause if so, nobody's getting into heaven, man. <laughs> nobody's getting in there. And, um, that's kind of my mindset. I, I, you know, I told the UFC, you give me anybody in the top four, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. And I know they all got, you know, supposedly got fights coming up. Yeah. You know, Leon's fighting. I'm sorry. I think they're trying to push the Kobe Covington and, and, um, Masvidal. you know, Masvidal fight, yeah. and then you got the Burns and you got the Colby fight. So I think it's, it kind of works, um, especially in the timeline right now for me, because I'm still, still healing up. And hopefully by the time I'm ready to fight, some of those, uh, you know, spots will be open and these guys have already fought. So kind of see where I go from there. How much of this do you think of the UFC looking at you? How much do you think of this is because of your age? You know what? I heard Errol Hawani say, call me, you know, I think we were, I had an interview and he called me a vet and it kind of, kind of pissed me off a little bit. Cause when I think of a vet, <laughs> I think of somebody older, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be 38 in February, but I, man, man, I feel like I'm 25. Um, you know, we train smart in the gym when we pad up, we keep it light to the head. We work the body and legs, but you can't condition the brain. A lot of these guys lose their chin in the gym, mm -hmm. you know, just beating the crap out of each other. I remember going to ATT, man, these guys, just, I mean, you had Hector Lombard out there knocking dudes out. I put my gear up and I left. I'm like, what? It's like, no, I'm not. No. I'm not going out there to spar with that guy. No. Are you kidding me? And, um, you know, I think with my style too, I don't take a lot of punishment. I, I, I've been knocked out one time 
And I think the, the, the hardest I've been hit with was with Tyron Woodley. You know, when he knocked me down in that fight, uh, that first fight. And then that, you know, then I got knocked out by Pettis, which wasn't a hard hit. It was just right on my butt. Yeah. So I've been knocked out once and I still feel fine. Everybody was talking about after that knockout that I, I've lost my chin. I'm like, what? I've been knocked out once. Yeah. You know, and so the Vicente Luque, this fight with, uh, with um, you know, Jeff Neal, I got hit with some shots and it didn't affect me one bit. So I still feel great, man. I think it does. I think they're looking at me as, you know, or do we push this older guy, this vet, you know, or do we get one of these up and comers and hope they beat them and yeah. push them? And on top of that, you know, they're not getting paid as much as me either. So they would, I think they would love, they wouldn't mind those guys beating me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's very rare that er, uh, Ariel Hawani says something that really pisses fighters off. It's very uncommon. Oh, very rare. <laughs> well, yeah, right? I love uh, that guy, man. He cracks me up. But it was like, dude, I'm not a vet, bro. Yeah. I went. I mean, I remember afterwards. I'm like, I literally went throughout the day. I'm like, dude, I finally went to my dad. My coach said, bro, am I a vet, dad? He's like, well, you have been in the UFC for you know almost nine, ten years. Wow, that's, so, that's yeah, a veteran. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I'm like, dang it, man. Are you kidding me? You know, like I got to go out there and whoop this dude now. Like everybody yeah. thinks I'm a vet. So, so how how long is the the quad? How long are you in the process of that getting healed up? And how much longer are you looking to, for that to heal? Um, I'm you know I think April. It's not really just my quad. I end up partially tearing a ligament in my thumb. Okay. And so yeah. they, I've got it in like a a cast, not really a cast, but uh, a brace. They don't want me using it. They said, you know, maybe a month, uh, a month and a half. I mean, I can move it around, but to where it's fully healed they said if that thing tears you're going to have to have a pretty painful surgery chris weidman's had that surgery and i trust me i don't want to go that route so i'm making sure that it's nice and healed up i do not want to i was hoping i would come off of this fight unscathed but when you're fighting somebody like him it's pretty much impossible yeah. so i can get back in there i don't want to be out for a year again uh that was just too much and you know want to stay active and i felt fine being out i only had a five and a half week training camp so, I mean, it was prone for less injury, but I, I was kind of questioning my cardio, but man, I could have gone another five rounds after that. So I felt great. Are, are you talking and, about your uh, thumb? Are you talking about your thumb, the healing of your thumb, the terms of yes. you may have to have surgery. So uh, yes. in the Benson fight, I tore all the ligaments in my thumb and into my wrist. Do yourself a favor. Keep the cast on. Because what happened was I kept taking mine off and the ligament didn't heal back properly. And it I can see it. that, bro. So, so this is like, it goes oh, like that God. all the way. Whereas this thumb doesn't, it only goes like that. See how far it goes? This one will go because it didn't heal back tight enough. So when you no. do, make sure you keep your cast on. For me, I kept taking it off, you know, whenever I felt okay. like it. And they had, I had pins put in. So when they took the pins out, I kept taking my cast off and it feel moving it around. And when I went back to the doctor four weeks later, he's like, it's too loose. We may have to do it again. And I was like, I'm not doing the surgery again. I was 37, 38 years old, 37 or whatever. I was like, I'm not doing it again, man. So I just left it as it was, but it affects me. I have no grip strength or anything like that. I can't do anything. So I'm just it saying also, it also, when he waves to people now, it, it just flops around. around. Really around. <laughs> I'm just saying, but be, be cautious with it. Cause any okay. type of grip fighting, hand fighting, wrist fighting, all that stuff, it will go away. Yeah. So be very cautious. Leave your grip, leave it on. I'm just speaking from experience, brother. I'm glad you told me that. Yeah. Cause I hate wearing that. Day. I know. I know. Oh <laughs> I know. Especially when you're trying to teach or do anything, like you have the, the thumb yeah. cast on, there's nothing you can do. Just be easy with it. Otherwise, you're okay. going to start losing those types yeah, of things. Yeah, you could do something. When they hit yeah. the kids with it, boom, <laughs> boom, it's perfect. Ah, Smoke in the head, baby. You know, you got to make the best of it. 
as you can tell, John needs to work on his anger management. Uh, well. <laughs> dude, you and my dad both, man. Yeah. You old school dudes are so. Your dad, dude, I love your dad. I want to put up. I don't know if people know. First off, your dad, Ray, an unbelievable kickboxer, had a great career and a crazy tough bastard that I'm sorry that you had to, to actually grow up with him like I had to grow up with my dad because he's crazy too. But also you have family members. You have your sister's married to Carlos Machado. You have yes. what your brother's, what is it? Your, your brother's My brother wife. married Chris Weidman's sister. That's right. Everybody's oh, like, you, are these planned marriages? We're you, like, no. you got I mean, martial arts going wrong. all over the place with wow. marriages and <laughs> crazy stuff, man. You're branching out long, way beyond Simpsonville. See, the goal is to just put out the perfect MMA fighter. You right? get close. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, I got 13 nieces and nephews. Jeez. And they all started martial arts at three. Mandatory. Uh, <laughs> Mandatory. <laughs> are they all in South Carolina? No, I've got um, four in Dallas, Texas. So my sister moved out to Dallas with Carlos Machado. They run several schools there. And she fought before I did. She kicked my ass for years, man. Yeah. She kicked my butt That's on for sisters a year. Do. Man, she probably still could. I mean, she's she's a beast. But she's raising youngins now, keeping Carlos in check, making sure the schools are run. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, her kids are are acting and training every day. So. Where, where are they out in that Dallas area? Like Frisco or in Dallas itself? Like Frisco, oh, Dallas, Frisco. Prosper. Okay. Because I'm looking at places to to possibly move out of, uh, you know, California. Yes. <laughs> talk, Let's talk, go. Talk, talk. He so, talks about it all the yeah, time. I, still hey, well, you got to find the right place, man. You can't just <laughs> up and move. You know, you got to find the right place. Yeah, it's I'm looking cheap. I'm looking, I'm looking in the Frisco cheap. area as well and the Prosper Frisco yeah. area there. So nice little areas cool. up there. So I'm a little scared of tornadoes, but. I guess no more than earthquakes. It is I guess. not. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's really not. I was in a. I was in an interview with Eric Hawani in the middle of a tornado. <laughs> I was driving a bus, and so, the next thing you know, people are telling me to come inside. I'm like, I look over a freaking tornado. Wow! It very rarely happens it's, here in South Carolina. That's in South, in Carolina. South Carolina. But you know what? What's crazy is that your internet still works, and John can't buy good internet out there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hold on, hold on. A question real quick. Whose internet went down just on this very interview? There? This what? It was oh, an internet. It was it was a, good, it was a software good, problem. Good night. Software problem. Software yeah, problem. Software. <laughs> uh, so so okay. So let's get. You're saying by April, May, you'll be fully healed, ready to be get ready to kind of get a fight in there. I mean, yes. It seems like it would make sense somewhere if if Colby is to fight Mazadal and Chimeev fights Leon, which is going to happen here shortly. The winner of one of those fights will have uh, be available for you to fight. Out of all, out of those four guys, which one do you prefer to fight? Oh man, I prefer to fight the guy. You know, the highest rank possible. I know Colby mm -hmm. Covington. That's going to be a no. He would not. I don't think he'll fight me at this point. Either Masvidal or Leon Edwards. It would be awesome. It would oh, be a great fight. fight. I mean, the BMF versus the NMF. That's just that's got a. That's a title right there for you guys. I mean, that'd be awesome. I faced him once before. I know he's made some changes, but a confident Masvidal is uh, uh, would definitely be a tough one. Yeah. But uh, uh, Leon Edwards for sure. I mean, he's been on my radar for a while. I just like it just because he's. I think he's one of the toughest guys up there. You know, he's good everywhere, um, and he's got good stand up, good striking. Uh, I, what, what makes it fun for me is trying to break them down, you know, trying to uh, adapt to them and figure them out. That's what makes the fight game. And, and even mid-fight, I like doing that. I think that's just, uh, that's fun for me, man. I love doing it. Do you believe in ring rust? 
Um, it's funny. I think it depends on who you are. I that, really do. That's my question though. My question is Leon's Thank been you. out. Leon's been out for so long, you know, and he's been the emotional roller coaster. Like they've taken him out of the rankings. They put him back and now they're giving him yes. someone who's, who's not really even in the top 10. who's not in the top 10. Like, where do you like, that's an emotional roller coaster like it, mixed in, mixed in with the fact that you haven't fought, you know, or yeah. trained and ready for what, over a he's, year. And he's an emotional guy. And, and, yeah. and it, I think that affects guys like him, you know, who, um, who are emotional. Um, um, I, I I've seen guys been out for a year, year and a half, come back and just kick behind. Yeah. And then I've seen guys been out for six months and then blame it on ring rust. And I think it's, I think it's this, I think it's a mental thing for them. Um, so I, I believe it, it depends on who you are. If you're training in the gym, like I, I, I'm injured, but there's always something that I can do. Yeah. Right. I'm always in the gym training. I'm always, I'm, I live there and, uh, I'm helping my teammates get ready for their fights. And a lot of these guys at the highest level, they only train when they, whenever they have fights coming up, you know? So that's what John and I talk about this all the time. Cause I, I, I train with Khabib. I train with all the, a lot of the Russians, Islam Makachev and some other, uh, some of the other Russians, they don't, there's no days off. Like yeah. I, I, Khabib, when he train, when he say he fights on Friday, he's training by Monday or Tuesday if he's healed up. I'm and the like same he, way. He's training by Monday or Tuesday, and it's not hard. Don't get me wrong; they're not back in there sparring. They're back in right. there. They're, they're back in there doing pull ups, sit ups, hitting the bag, you know, stretching, you know, helping their helping their brothers like do some stuff against the cage or against the wall events. There's no days off, you know. And there's they're also too like with, I've, I say this in the in a respectful way, but the American fighters have the tendency to when they after they fight, they spend a week or two partying, spend a week or two at the club, they spend yeah. a week or two, you know, barbecuing and drinking and, you know, the Dagestani or the Russian style fighters, they don't do that. And that's why you see the progression so much. And how 100%. I, I think it's on how they're raised as well. Like I was raised in the gym training every day and that was life. And that's, that's all I know. Yeah. Right. That's, that's is is that and that's how they grew up the same way you know they're they're been doing this since they were this big you know and it's life for them so it's like if they're not in there doing something it's like they're they're not they're missing something and a lot of these guys you know especially in america they um uh, very rarely do you see guys who have been training at a very young age i guess wrestling i guess maybe certain sports maybe wrestlers like chris been training wrestling since he was eight but then it's seasonal, right? So you have time off. So they get in that mindset to where like, you know, I, I'm done with the fight. I can take a long break, but you're, that's skills. That's a skill set. You're, you're, you're not developing or getting better. If, if you're doing that, right. When you go back in the gym, you're the same guy yeah. you were when you, when you, when you finish fighting, you're not evolving, you're not getting better. So that's how I look at it as well. And of course I got teammates that keep me accountable, you know, in our gym, we don't, we don't have a big gym. We probably have, maybe 10 amateur 15 or, you know, and pro fighters. But if you're not in the gym after a fight, maybe, you know, I'll give you a day, a day or two or three, but if you're not in the gym, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you up. It's asking you're behind. Why are you, why you're not in here? I'll keep you accountable. Dag on it. So it's, it's, you know, I helped you get ready for your fight. Yeah. And that's the mentality we have. You help. And MMA is a selfish sport. It oh, really yes, it is, is, man. Yeah. You know, guys want you to help them, but when it's, when it's time for you to get ready, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah. So we <laughs> keep you accountable. It hurts yeah, when it, you're the sparring <laughs> partner, man. Damn, I'm telling you, it hurts. <laughs> it does, man. It does. It's not fun, but you know, it's, I think that's, I think that's the difference.
Steven, I know that you're a huge fan of the sport and not only talking about the welterweight division that you know, you're a part of. Who is the guy that you look at? This is the guy that I'm interested in watching. What it could be in the welterweight division, could be in any of them, in any, you know, any promotion, don't care. Who's the guy that you look at and you go, this is the guy that I think everyone should be watching? Well, at this point, I, I think he's he's already champion. It was a guy I've been looking at for a long time, for a while now, as he was coming up, because he's a striker, but he's got this calmness about him. Um, and whenever I see guys that are like that, that just have a very calm uh, demeanor, especially out there in the octagon, they're 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 going to be something. And it was is it is Izzy Adesanya. Mm-hmm. Izzy Adesanya, when you when you see him out there, especially the way you saw him dismantle his last opponent, who's just a monster. You saw him go, you know, crazy rounds with, uh, you know, Yoel Romero. Uh, I thought it was going to be a, a harder fight for him, but he just just schooled him like it was nothing. He's been doing that with guys since he got in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, his attitude, eh, you know, but just the way he fights and the way he's 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 calculative when he's out there. He's he's an intelligent fighter, uh, kind of like how Anderson Silva, you know is or you know i don't i don't, I don't like to say was because i bet wasn't his prime. in his prime in his prime yeah. you know he was that way as well he's got that calmness about him and you see that with high level guys like that you know and they make it to the top um i don't know what it is i don't know if it's just that the confidence or uh the mindset they the, i don't i don't know what it is but uh it's something about him well how do you look really at his cool fight with with jan blahovich how do you look at his fight with that with that's the weight, the size. I mean, now he's equally the same height and size as someone that he's fighting. Um, I think it's very dangerous for Izzy to make this fight, but on top of that, I think Izzy's fast enough and explosive enough to 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 draw out Blakovich's strikes and counter him. Blakovich's got a lot of a, a lot of holes in his stand-up. He when he throws his punches, he drops his punches. Um, and I, that's something that Izzy, I think, is looking at to this day. I believe he can counter strike him and put him to sleep. But that's if he goes the striking route. If I was Blockwitch, I would I would get his behind up against the cage. You've seen GSP do this time and time again against good strikers. You know, Tiago Alves, when he was dropping dudes, you know, is to get him up against the fence, lay on him, use that heavy weight. And, you know, hopefully the next round, he'll have enough blood in those arms that he can't. He's not as fast as he was in the first. Uh, that's the route I would go if I was blocked, which I would get him up against the fence, find a way to do that and just lay on him, make him work from there. Um, but the thing is, man, I mean, he's big enough to do so. I know Izzy's got great takedown defense. He's, he's, he moves very well, especially for a 185 er but, uh, man, going up to that next level, it's, it's no joke, man. I mean, I, I'm 170. When I spar with Chris Weidman, man, it's rough, bro. He yeah. throws me around like a little rag doll. It's like not even the same. <laughs> And everybody's like, man, go to 185. You knocked out, um, you know, was it, um, what's his name? Golly, what? He's know, a Johnny Hendricks. Uh, no. Uh, he, Izzy just beat him for the title. Why can I not think of his Paula name Costa? Right Paula Costa? Oh, no. no. Uh, Whitaker. Paul the Whitaker. Whitaker. Oh, Robert Whitaker, Whitaker when he fought 170? Yeah. Yeah, but Whitaker was a big dude. He was struggling to get to 170. I mean, he had a. He's got a big frame. Like, he's meant to be 185. Yeah. Uh, so when I fight guys like like Weidman, he grabs me by my wrist. It's like, I feel like a little kid. I can't get away. Yeah. You know? It's like, to go up to, to that, I'm, I'm not considered a big welterweight either. I walk around about 190, yeah. 195. Most guys walk around over 200. 
you know, so it's like, you know, I'm not considered a, a big, big welterweight and I'm, I can't make 155. Um, I'm in a real, really weird weight, man. I wish I was bigger than I, I am now, but I'm kind of black. So I don't have to make that crazy weight cut. And the older I get, the harder it gets. So, well, I want to, I, mean, I want to leave you off with one question. This will be my last question. I want to talk to you about the most anticipated fight in all of MMA right now. Actually, not in MMA. Actually, in boxing. Jake Paul and Ben Askren. Okay, <laughs> the world wants to know. The world wants to know what you think of this fucking circus show. <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> First off, I, it's ridiculous, man. I mean, as a, as an athlete, I can't believe you said uh, that. <laughs> as an athlete, man, I think it's dumb. I mean, you know, this dude. This dude has done nothing yeah. to, to step out. I mean, even though, you know, Ben Askren's not a boxer, I mean, I mean, he's a legend of the MMA sport. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He is beat. That's why the, that's the why breaks. they picked him for the fight because he's a uh, legend 100%. who doesn't fight stand up. doesn't box. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's stupid. I think uh, you know, but uh, on top of that, you know, I've done some YouTube. I've got my own YouTube channel now. And as a as a as a YouTuber, I guess, I mean, the guys are are making some noise man they're they are making some noise the the you know jake paul logan paul uh they're bringing in some money for themselves as well but as an athlete i think it's i think it's stupid you don't deserve to step out in the octagon or step out in the cage with anybody yeah you know i think logan was saying he's fighting what mayweather that got yep. canceled it got, I think it, it got canceled it, oh did it i yep. was about to say if you do that man I, it makes you look so bad mayweather it really does it make you yeah. makes you look desperate yeah, they were saying that there was no, there wasn't as much interest in that fight, so they they basically canceled. They didn't have, they didn't get a hundred thousand people to to pre buy. Good, but I'm like, yeah, Good. but you're you're ten weeks away still, you know, from I guess yeah. when the fight was supposed to happen. If you can't get a hundred thousand people to buy it in ten weeks, like people don't even know what they're doing tomorrow, you know, right. <laughs> let alone ten <laughs> yeah, weeks that's out. True. So, that's true. Uh, but give me I a give, give me a prediction. It's a boxing match, and I know, but look, I, I actually just in the last couple of days have changed my mind that I'm not going with. Uh, <laughs> Don't try to influence anybody. What are you doing? Okay, go ahead. You just get, sit right. there. I've right. changed my mind. I, I think I think Jake Paul is going to go out there and, and piece him up. I think so, huh? Um, I'm hoping. I this I, I really do. I pray. I pray for this. I pray that freaking um, Ben Askren goes out there and body slams and knocks him out and say this is real fighting. That's yeah. what like, I just want. Take, just take the suplex him on his head. You know what I mean? Who yeah. cares? Just get disqualified. That would be talked about till the end of time. Forever. Forever. Except I it might be where he doesn't get paid. Head. Say that. Yeah, yeah. But it might be in the contract where he doesn't get paid. Yeah, that's True. that. But that's what they because that's what they did with the Floyd and uh, Connor fight. There was tons oh, of things yeah. in the contract. No takedowns. No, no kick. kicking. There was all that. All those things were in the contract. And there was a huge fine and didn't get paid or you whatever it was. So you're, you're saying, you're saying you think Jake Paul's going to get it done, man. I mean, go back and watch Ben Askren's fight with Maya. It's yeah. like, it's very difficult for me <laughs> for, to, to see that happen. And Jake, I mean, he's got some skill. I mean, having two fights, I mean, he's got some skill, but, uh, you know, Ben Askren, I, from what I hear, I hear he doesn't even do any striking when he was preparing for fights. Yeah. I thought our hero, he was just wrestling. That's all he would do. It's nope. just wrestle. So, okay. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. And last week, I was Jake. I, I was thinking Jake Paul was going to get it done. But I think right now, Ben Askren's going to get it done. And the reason why I think he's going to get it done, Jake Paul, it, just like his brother Logan, they're both bullies. 
They're guys that will walk you down and try and throw big shots, circle out when they get tired, take a breath, then come back in and try and assault you. I think Ben Askren is going to walk him down and make him fight going backwards. And I don't think he understands the pressure of fighting backwards. He's going to be so exhausted from someone actually pressuring him. One thing wow. Ben Askren will not do is get tired. You know, yeah, he does. It. He, and he's got, and he's tough as nails. He's tough. He'll take a shot. I don't I mean, see. Yeah. Even unless it's a flying knee, he ain't, he'll, he'll take it. You so, don't have to worry about that one. You ain't got to worry Dude, about you're that. You're changing my mind right now. I'm telling see? you. You are changing. You my have mind. to think in I terms. Ben Askren being the guy, Olympic caliber wrestler. Okay. And then on top of that, fighting all, all the top promotions he's fought in. Okay. He, he is a professional athlete fighting a guy who has two. It. He understands he understand. he's going to walk Jake Paul down and make him fight on his back foot and how exhausted and the pressure he's not going to be expecting that. Even if Ben how walks many forward, do you know, I think eight. it's eight. I believe eight. it's eight. eight rounds. Yeah, I can see that happening, man. I can yeah. I really I really do. It's going to take it's going to take him five or six rounds, but just walking. He yep. will literally hold his hand and just walk forward. Yep. I can see that happening. You know what? I think you're changing my mind. Yeah. Dude. You're changing my mind. Dude. Welcome to the dark side, baby. Welcome oh to the dark goodness. side. Woo. I, I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I really didn't. He's not going to stand. I, I, I don't think he'll I, stand and box with him. I think he's going to walk him down, walk him down, and make him fight on his back foot, and it's going to make him exhausted. Get, try and get him to the corner, just dirty boxing the yeah. crap out of him. And he can do that. And then he uh, also, he can uh, clinch yeah, him. He can get him to the corner and clinch yeah. him, make him blow his arms, blow up with blood. He's not going to be as fast and as explosive. And by, by four, I think by rounds four and five, it's going to be a different fight. Wow. Yep. I think you got me on that, bro. There I think you, you got go. me there. See, see how convincing, I'm been, man. See how convincing off, this is. Off, stop. Stop, stop. You don't are. Don't listen to Johnny. He's 79 years old. Consider the nicest guy. To, don't go to the dark side. <laughs> Let's be honest. I want that to happen. And it's when Josh right talked side. to me about it, I was like, God, I like that idea. But I do know people that Jake Paul is training with. And they're smart enough to deal with things like that and get him prepared. So. It could happen, but I I don't think it's going. Who brought negative Nancy to the show, Stephen? Who brought this guy? Who brought this negative guy? Nancy, exactly. Dude. Oh my goodness, dude. Oh, geez. well, I mean, it's it's uh, man, it's the way fight the fight game's going right now, and and I hate this. I hate to see it. I yeah. really do. So do we? Know? And then we talk about it, and that only elevates. Yeah, it, but so. I, I got I got to get I got it because you know Ben fought in the welterweight division. You're in the welterweight division. I don't know. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. I thought. And I like Ben a lot, so I was wanted, I'm trying to change people's minds and what people may think. And I gave you good information. You, you made your own judgment. You did. You did. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show, man. You are you are always just a pleasure to talk to. But you're even better to watch when you're in the cage fighting. Thank you. Because man, I'm, you, I'm sorry you put on it. You put on a show to, to make this happen. But I mean, I really do appreciate you guys. I watch you guys all the time and still follow you. Big. You know, big, big McCarthy. And, and uh, uh, it's good to see you guys again, man. We'll, we can make this happen it, anytime. Anytime you want, you let me know. We'll come and chat. Oh, definitely. We'll have you back, man. We appreciate you spending so much time with us, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Thanks, bud. Right, have brother, a good day. Take care. All right, Josh. What do you think, man? That was that was a lot of fun with Steve. We got to do a lot of different things. Even got into your damn stupid question about Ben Askren and Jake Paul. I can't believe you asked him that. But he had some good answers with everything. He was fun. I made a good point. <laughs> you did and you changed his mind uh, right yes, away yes. he was like 
Damn. I always started wondering if I should maybe be a lawyer because I, I do love to argue, even when I'm not, even though I, even though when I know I'm not right, I try to argue the situation. So it's great. Also, you guys go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in, use the promo code podcast. That'll give you another 20% off. We've got a plethora of shirts, as John would like to say. And also, don't forget, Super Bowl weekend is coming up. Go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code Wayne in, and they will give you 50% of your initial deposit. Okay, Super Bowl is coming up, so make sure you guys do that. John likes to say, if you put in $100, they will give you another you put in 100 you get 150 150 I like to say, if you put in 1000 you get 500 because that's what I would do because I'm not very bright <laughs> with my money. So <laughs> that's what I would do. You guys, Super Bowl is coming up. You can bet on everything. First field goal. Uh, if they do scrub kicks in the beginning to start the game, you know, however, and they can do it also by the first quarter, second quarter, halftime show. They even have bets on the halftime show as well. They can do all sorts of different things. Don't don't just think football and MMA. They've got every other sport is available as well. So check them out. Put that initial deposit in. Your very first time is when the offer is available. So use the promo code Wayne in. We want to thank you guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. And John, I feel like there's always one last thing you got to say because that's who you are. You got to always say the last word. It's see ya.